Napa know-how. Napa guy knows not to judge a man by his car's multicolored paint job or absence of modern gadgetry. Who cares if it's technically old enough to vote and the windows are powered by the strength of your left arm? Your monthly payment is zero, and it'll stay that way. Because with over 500,000 parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep anything on the road. She may not be pretty, but she's all yours. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Inkwell, brought to you by the Speakeasy Cafe Open Mic Poetry Show. The Inkwell is a how-to show designed for writers to help them advance in their writing careers. So you've written something. Now what? That's what we're here to tell you. Now. On to the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Inkwell. I am really excited to be doing this show tonight for a couple of different reasons and really excited to have you all here. Um, Hey, just to let you know that if you are trying to get into the chat room, it's pushing some of you in as guests um, and not letting you log in with your name. So just keep trying. They are working on that right now. Um, and if you can't get in, just keep trying as well. You know, Usually if you poke things with a stick long enough, they give. Okay. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's real excited. We haven't had a show on the Inkwell for a while, and uh, normally I try to start these up towards the fall when people aren't out running around having fun in the summertime and we have time to sit down and, and uh, you know, kind of really look what we're doing with our writing and, and uh, spend some time with it. I'm really excited about tonight's show because of our guest, and um, our guest has written in pain tonight, and we're going to be talking with him a little bit, visiting with, with him about some writing, a writing project he was currently involved in, and talking about performance poetry, and he'll be doing a workshop tonight on spoken word, and uh, so I'm going to bring him on with us. Actually, it's kind of awesome being able to mute him. You can't shut him up very often, but when you have the buttons, it's easy. Hello, Written in Pain. Hi, Nyla. See, I even called you Written in Pain. I know since in a forever (laughs) or in a never. How are you doing tonight? I'm fine. Um, I kind of got stuck at the studio, so if periodically you hear, like, some rhythmic background sound, just please ignore it. I I, I do apologize, but I kind of got stuck over here. That's you inspiring the angels to just, like, dance around, right? Or the demons. <laughs> right. Depending on which you Right. <laughs> Something there is in the shadow. We don't know what it is. So I am really, really excited to have you here. We have been planning this for quite a while. Yes, we have. Yeah. And um, I'm very happy that we finally got it to happen. I am, too. Very happy. So why don't you... Um, why don't you take just a minute and tell everybody, introduce yourself to everybody, and uh, then I'll, like, love on you for a minute, too, okay? Okay. Uh, well, uh, I pretty much perform under the name Written in Pain, and uh, I consider myself a, a uh, spoken word artist, and um, I write a variety of things. I write short stories, I write poetry, and um, things of that nature. 
and I've had the opportunity to uh, travel some places and perform poetry in different places and just um, get to experience a lot of things through poetry, actually, that um, I didn't think was going to... I don't want to sound more like a <laughs> infomercial, but a lot of things that I didn't think were going to happen happen because of poetry. So um, that's about it. Um, I've released a, a couple of CDs. Um, I have a book out on, on Amazon called Conversations with My and um, that's about it. <laughs> it sounds like an infomercial. Is that what you said? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm waiting for you to say, but wait, if you order now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's kind of nice. Um, it, it, isn't, it isn't a bad thing, sounding like an infomercial. You know, I always say that... Um, that being timid and poetry really don't go hand in hand, even though we've been kind of brainwashed into believing we're the shy poets. You know, the only time something timid belongs in a poem is if you're reading a timid poem, period. And, uh, you know, there, there's nothing at all wrong with being able to talk about the things that you do. And, and you know, it's one of the reasons that you're here. Um, the things that you've done, and, and I really don't want to get, I, I'm going to have to really bite my tongue a lot. You're going to have to keep me in line, Carlos. Think you can do that? Okay. Yeah, sure. I'll change. Okay. Because I can't interview you today. Because next weekend you are going to be on One Positive Way with Scorpio Sessions for a real interview. And it's going to be really hard for me tonight to stay on track and because I don't want to interview you tonight and then have you just you know, have have you talk about all the things that he's going to be talking to you about. So you have to keep me in check. Okay. So I'll just be like, you know, we'll have we'll have safe words. Okay. <laughs> I saw a thing this week earlier this week that I thought was hyster- or just hilarious. It said, "Ouch is not a safe word." <laughs> I thought that was awesome. Okay, so yeah, we'll have to have one of those, and you can just you can say, "Well, you know, that's a great question, Nyla," and I'll be answering that next week with Scorpio Sessions on One Positive Way Radio. <laughs> got you. Got you. Okay, that'll work. That'll work. All right. So one of the things I do get to talk about, because it's an exclusive, okay, you guys, this is a Nyla exclusive, and I'm really excited about this, because I get this call out of the blue. Uh, Carlos, uh, written in pain, written in pain, and I have been friends for a long, long time. You know, he's my he's my little Rocky, he's my champion, and um, I get this phone call out of the blue, and it's I, I thought I was talking to a girl. Seriously, I didn't know who was on the phone. I'm sorry, honey, I love you, but I'm I'm telling it. It's that I'm just I have to be honest here. I thought it was a little girl because it was squealing. You know, this little squeaky voice. Because he was so excited about something. And and all I could think about when you were telling me about this is this wouldn't if I if I had a sat down the first night you and I talked, because you and I you came to my show and read, and then you and I kind of connected in a chat room at a different show talking about classic poetry, which mm-hmm. really surprised me because, you know, you're supposed to be that big, buff, you know, sexy, urban poet-type guy with <laughs> melting pandy elastic and stuff. And and you, you start spouting off all this stuff about classic poetry. And we were talking about Poe because both of us really, really enjoy that, that dark style mm-hmm. poetry. We were, we were talking about that. Mm-hmm. So... Why don't you do me a favor? Because I really want to talk about that. Because I was the first person you called, huh? 
Yeah. At least I'm. Yeah. You told me I was the first person you called. So the other no, first person that he told. <laughs> <laughs> so. Like. Like tell you got like story, a tell really me. big spotlight. Like I'm sweating. Like you didn't. Like you won't give me any water or nothing. I'm just sitting here. No. So what happened was, um, at the last minute, it was really not really the last minute. Um, there's a museum that uh, is in New York that is um, uh, dedicated to Edgar Allan Poe, but it's it's actually, allegedly, no, it's actually um, a home that he used to, to stay in. So I was just going to check it out, and um, someone there was handing out these little pamphlets for this contest that they were having for a, resident, a, a residency there. And I really, like, took it probably, like, I don't even remember taking it. It was probably one of those unconscious things. So uh, I'm just rumbling through my uh, pockets to do laundry, and I come across this paper, and I'm looking at it, and I'm like, you know, they wanted you to uh, talk about Edgar Allan Poe's influence on you or uh, why you were a fan of his work and submit some work that you had that was inspired uh, by him. So I was like, yeah, whatever. And maybe it was, that day, I, I, it probably was either the same week that the contest was ending or a few days prior. So I decided to uh, just kind of put something together <laughs> uh, for uh, for the contest, and I sent them some stuff I had already written. And that was it. I really didn't think any more about it. And um, uh, 10 or 12 people, I know it was one person a month, that they were going to let stay at the residency for uh, eight days. And, um, yeah, so I get this email that I won and that, uh, you know, they wanted to meet me and that they, uh, the, the 10 poets that were, I believe it was 10, the 10 poets that were selected to stay at the residency were going to get a chance to perform um, at the museum. And so it was like this whole big, like, package bundle thing of poetry love. So it was pretty cool. Um, I, I stayed there. And they, no, wait, wait, know, wait, 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 wait. You're just like running away with this. And I'm not done like making a big deal out of it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. So you went to the museum and you saw this thing for uh, to apply for a residency, residency program to where you could actually mm-hmm. stay at Edgar Allan Poe's house. His house. <laughs> Right? Right. And so you applied for it. Right. And I really applied for it, like, really not thinking. Because, you know, I mean, I know I'm not the only person. You come across these things online or these, you know, writing contests, and you're like, nah, I'm not going to win. So, you know, you do it, or maybe the first time or the second time, but after a while it's just like, nah. It's like a million people that's going to try for this crap. So that was my mind. <laughs> that was my mind frame going into it. Like, man, what's the odds of them letting me and I got to pose off? Like, yeah, right. So do you want to know something that's going to make you feel really good? Right. I actually contacted the program. Okay. Do you know how many applicants there were for how those many? residencies? 16,892. 
So out of 16,892 applicants, you were picked. Do you know what a big deal that is? 16,892. Wow. Surprising what you can learn with a phone call. Wow. <laughs> oh, I love making you giggle. So you got accepted. Right. And you got to go stay in his house. You got to sleep in his bed. You got to sit in his chair. And I called you. Right. Right. While you were there. Yeah, you did. And you were whispering because you weren't supposed to be on the phone while you were there. (laughs) Right? Right. And do you remember our conversation, Carlos? Um, I remember telling you that my that pretty much my electronics had been confiscated, and that uh, I was just like, I remember. I don't know. I, I don't know if I had verbalized that to you, but I remember feeling very uh, gothic. <laughs> you guys, I'm talking to him on the phone, and he's kind of whispering. And he's telling me he was scared. He said it was scary there. <laughs> Do you remember? Yeah. You told me the only thing that was off balance was that one thing, and this isn't that one thing. So, yeah, I'm talking to him, and he's like, it's really kind of spooky here, Nyla. <laughs> oh, it was too awesome. What was it like? What was it like sitting there at, at night during the day? What What was it like being there? They have this area, because most of it is a museum, but they have this area that they try to keep, like, real, like, eclectic and gothic-looking and kind of, like, you know, I guess, uh, what's what I'm looking for, to replicate a certain time frame. And, um, you know, it just gets you to thinking about how much, more uh, dedicated, someone can be to their own thoughts and emotions and and thinking when you're kind of pulled away from, I guess, monitorization, like, you know, no Internet or television or uh, smartphone going off, anything like that, like just when you could just look out of a window and just get motivated by, like, it's just, I just imagined a different, a different conversation with the muse when there isn't even an option of distraction. Because there's one thing for you to tell yourself, well, you know, I'm going to turn off the TV and turn off the radio and just write for the next few days. And it's another thing when you're just like that exterior motivation is never being diluted or distracted by anything else. So that, if anything else, I think the solitude of the situation is what kind of made me feel like what maybe what all writers felt at that time, much less one of the greatest writers of all time. And I can't even imagine. I would have been so beside myself. That yeah, I'd have I'd have had to sneak in some absence as well, though. <laughs> yeah, and I would have. I would have. So, do you have um, do you have anything on you that you wrote while you were staying in Poe's house? I did. I mean, I do. (laughs) (laughs) 
you know, I really missed, I really kind of missed the the buff written in pain voice. I don't think I'll ever what hear is, it again. <laughs> why are you saying that? Because uh, I like teasing you. Because you get picked on because you giggle on my shows. Yeah. I think it's funny. Yeah, and I'm I'm on high giggle patrol right now. Like I'm really like I told myself like a hundred times before the show started, do not giggle. I haven't introduced you as written in pain. You know, we can start all over if you want. No, right, no, so I don't want to start, I, start I, over. I got okay, this so, far. Written in pain, would you like to read something you wrote while you were staying in Mr. Edgar Allan Poe's house? <laughs> yes, so you're I, giggling again. I, I, Um, I have a, I have a poem called "Dying the True Death." Are you ready? I am. All right. I once noticed a bird, but had lost the life of him. Motionless, silent, yet ever peaceful. The stillness reminded me of sleep, without the labor of breathing, without the looming presence of nightmare. Still, in fact, this appeared nothing like death at all, just the disregard for life, life living, being mocked by this mockingbird. Is this what those who appear to be alive fear? Not the excruciating pain of when a heart tears, when eyes tear, where screams are hollowed, pride gets swallowed, where love's blindness has caused you to lose all sight of it. If every memory makes morbid your mortality, to pass in the best of you, only left to make right with what's left of you. Scorning your birth, outliving your worth, and love's illusion eludes you. Only used to abuse you, yet you continuously fall for it like fools do. What do we know about the broken, departed heart that it once loved wholeheartedly? It's all. What happens when... Life savers lost all flavor. How healthy can one get on a diet of regret? How the vision in the mirror is so much clearer. Not afraid to die. My fear is living, yet not feeling alive. When you kneel and pray, yet no matter what you say, no way can tomorrow top your yesterdays. No rewind, just bear witness to life's decline. So I wonder if this bird even thought about dying. I mean... Don't we all wish we could meet our end on top, in the middle of flying, ever peaceful, dodging in pain? So what was it about staying there? What, where did that one come from? Um, I was like, I was like thinking about, I was thinking about how a lot of times, I wonder if there's a point in people's lives when they reach old enough to um, wish they had died already. <laughs> I wonder if sometimes people, it's like certain people in my mind are captivated being at their peak. And I say that, or I talk about that often, like, you know, uh, we've never seen an old James Dean or we've never seen an old Bruce Lee and how these people are immortalized in their youth peaking. 
And whether you conceive that as good or bad or, you know, people not living out their lives, those people have achieved more in those 35 or 27 years than some people achieve in their whole lifetime. So is life about value or is it about length of time? That's up for debate. So that's what I was thinking about. And using the bird kind of was the transition from the raven. I kind of used the bird as kind of like the the transitional thing that I used to kind of build that idea around. So that's what that was about. That is awesome. See, you know how many people are absolutely just like insanely jealous right now that you were able to do that, including me? I'd, no. I'd have called you screaming like a little girl too, excited. <laughs> I would have. I'm, I'm really, I'm, you know, and and I tease you about that just because you know I love you and, and you're my friend and and you know we have fun and stuff. But I really, you know, I, in, in all seriousness, I'm really really proud of you. You know, especially when I found out, um, you know, that, that many people applying, you know, and getting picked was pretty awesome. You know, it really says a lot. And I kind of remember, you know, when I, you and I first started talking about your poetry and stuff like that and how you were so shy about it, you know. And and it's nice sometimes to have that um, that positive feedback come from a different and very important source because then I get to sit here and say, told you so. And I still love doing that. Yes, I know. I do. I really do. I, it's it's one of my weaknesses, and someday when I see 12 steps, I'll take them. But right now, you know, yeah. So I'm really glad you shared that with everybody. I'm really glad you shared that with me. I think it's incredible. Did you have anything else from that night? Did you ever write the one we were talking about, take Poe out on the streets for a while? I do, Did you ever write that one? Yeah, but I don't have it. I just took um, cause some I wrote on the computer and some I wrote. Um, on paper, and I just had the ones that I wrote on paper with me. Ah, okay. So did you have anything else that you wrote while you were there that you want to share before we move on? Uh, okay. You know what? A lot of that stuff that I wrote while I was there wasn't, like, feel-good poetry. <laughs> well, hello, you're staying in Edgar Allan Poe's house. You weren't staying at Mary Poppins. <laughs> But uh, I'll share it if you want to hear it. I'll read another one. I do. All right. Um, I didn't title this one because I didn't have a, I didn't have a title for it. <laughs> I have no envy in the blissfulness of joy, nor the pretentiousness of bliss. To it exists. Yet the sensitized sensation of this fabric is not ecstatic, nor electric, nor as fulfilling as perceptive, but under the guise of tear-soaked eyes, reality's perfected, I accept it. Most claim, even exclaim, disclaim for pain. Yet flirt with it. Roses have thorns. Why? Because beauty packs a little hurt with it. The air seems clear, clouded with despair. Love is life's gamble. Oh, it's the hat we wear. I find art in the shambles, and desolation hides creation where my rage causes teardrops to blur the words on the page. I'm engaged. Life's pure. 
brutality at its core. It's not about avoiding pain. It's how much you can endure. Scattered rambles to sad songs and scented candles. It becomes a lot to handle, looking for angles. Hair sheets, pillowcase mangle. This is when I'm most vibrant. The vibrations from vibrations I use to fill a lives with. I do not envy the mundane madness joy deploys. Creation is nothing but destruction, inverted. So I write it like it hurt it. That's the way I word it. I was running in vain. Yes, it was. You know, I'm, I'm, you're going to have to give me a call because I want to hear. Uh, I want to hear some more of them that you wrote while you were there. Okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah. But we have people in the chat room saying they need to learn about spoken word. And we have Robbie saying that you're not written in pain, you're written in giggles. Just so you know. Just Did he that say thing. that? Did he really say that? He actually said that. He typed that out in the chat room in front of everybody. I want you to know that. Oh, wow. I know, right? Uh, mm-hmm. <clears throat> All right. All right. Let's Let's do this. <laughs> okay. So one of the things that you are really well known for is your performance poetry, your delivery. You know, not not just the fact that you are an incredible writer and which you are. You know, you you figured that out by now, I think, I hope. Um but Thank your delivery you. your delivery makes you very unique. It makes um you're you're able to rip someone's brain apart and rearrange it however you want when you perform your work. And in doing that, you're able to leave such a huge emotional impact on the reader. And that that isn't something easy to do at all. And it isn't something comfortable to do, especially if you're not used to doing it. And that's kind of why we talked about putting together this workshop. So I want you to talk about a little bit about um, yourself as a performance poet, maybe, you know, whatever it is that you want to share, talk about that. And then I'm, we're going to uh, go ahead and get into, I'm, I'm just going to turn the reins over to you and let you take charge, and and uh, I'm going to sit back and listen with everyone else, and you just get a share about spoken word. Um. Well, um, I am a, a spoken word performing artist. Um, what what we, um, what I've been trying to work towards doing, um, in my for myself, is kind of bring more of a theatrical element to spoken word, um, because I think I think it includes more people, and I'm gonna just talk about that for a second. I think it's a difference when a poet writes a poem for other poets. Or other with other poets listening than it is when you have people who may not be poets themselves listening. I think it, it's almost I would almost compare it to how a musician listens to music in terms of how we listen to music. We kind of listen to music, and if it sounds good, it's like wow, that's cool. A musician might hear things, hear flaws, or be more impressed by certain things that we're overlooking, or because they have an understanding of, they have a better understanding of what's happening um, in the piece. So to me, it's the same thing. I think when poets listen to poetry, 
especially uh, when they go see other poets perform, things that they're picking up on and the things that they're noticing, whether it's your metaphors or your wordplay or how many entendres you use, I think they are more impressed by things of that nature than people who do not listen to poet who don't write poetry will maybe not even notice. And I've, that's the, something that I've noticed in performing myself is that a lot of times when it comes to the actual writing part of poetry, that part gets kind of overlooked by the average person who just is a fan of spoken word. They're more engaged a lot of times by the theatrical element that one brings to the performance. That's just in my own opinion from what I've kind of noticed. So with that being said, um, I myself have I've kind of tried to find ways to be more theatrical in reciting and performing poetry. Uh, there's a distinction between what we would call reading page poetry and performing poetry, and that's I don't <clears throat> I don't know if everybody knows the difference, but the distinction is just reading poetry is just that. Uh, finding a piece and reading the piece and uh, you know that's that's about it I, spoken word poetry or performance poetry has a lot more to do with a, a passionate connection trying to be relayed to the listener and more so with emotion than i think just reading page poetry so a lot of times those two get confused or sometimes people don't make make a comparison in the two saying a person can go to a, a spoken word uh, open mic and pull a book out and read a poem and then the poem will be very good and very well read and people will snap and that was an excellent read and then you have a poet who will go on stage without a book and perform a piece and engage the crowd in a totally different way and, you know, it, it, that, too, being an excellent performance is just a distinction between the two. So I was just wanted to come here to try to um, help people out or just share kind of my experience with spoken mm -hmm. word uh, performance. Well, we've got some, before we get to the, uh, before we get to the, actual workshop part of it. We have a couple uh, of your tracks uploaded to the, the library here. Um, the ones that you sent in, I've got When Angels Cry and Sensation, both of those. The other two are still processing. Um, I just got those okay. uploaded. Um, but if you want to, if, if you want to maybe share a track or two and um, kind of give people an idea who may not be, like who's not familiar with you, but you know, we'll pretend there's aliens out there. Um, someone who may not be familiar with your work and kind of get an idea of what you do, how you perform. Okay, well, um, for me, uh, I'm <laughs> I'm a very emotional person. I'm very uh, passionate. So mm -hmm. um, my writing kind of relays that. Uh, for me, I don't, I'm, I, I'm always in the moment of the piece or whatever the piece is about or whatever the emotion is I'm trying to relay, that's always where I was when I wrote it. Like there's no exterior process when I go to write a piece. <clears throat> that's usually 
the piece itself is usually where I am, whether it's what I'm feeling or what I'm thinking at the time. So um, what I try about, to do. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. Go, go ahead. ahead. No, you. Oh, what, what I try to do is um, relay that feeling or that emotion. I try to kind of make a time capsule when I perform it. I try to make, I want the listeners to feel what I was feeling when I wrote it. I try to put them there when I'm reciting it or when I'm performing. So that's pretty much all I was going to say. So I'm going to play When Angels Cry. You want to tell us anything about that piece? Sure. Um, Pardon me. Angels Cry was a poem that I wrote while it was raining. I kind of was motivated. I had never written a rain piece, which I don't know. You know, that's the right way I'm wording it. But I, I had never, the rain had never motivated me to write a poem. So I was at a friend's house and I was sitting on the couch and it started raining and the radio was playing. And uh, while the radio was playing and I'm looking out the window, this poem kind of formulated and I wrote it. I just wrote it there on the spot. But it's called When Angels Cry. All right. So this is written in pain. Here we go. Hush sounds, careless whispers, the rain keeps pouring down. My life, the clarity between the drops fade, fade away, fade, fade, fade away. Lost in the rain, drenched in pain, bathe in it. There's freedom here. So I wade freely in sorrow, saturation, it comforts me. Nights like this I wish. That raindrops would fall So I can't remember I'm alone at all As the waterfalls and I still chase waterfalls Eyes closed, wishing to rinse it all away Hard to pray when the skies are gray Seems the sun never shines my way I want to go, I want to go, I want to I want to go outside In the rain It may sound crazy Strip naked, wetness induces wetness. Can you stand the rain? I stand in pain. I stand in rain. It purges the sinful me. Every little drip drop like tears of a clown when the eyes storm. So I can't speak, hoping to wallow in a waterbed. The rain comes down in sheets, I said. Hoping to wallow in a waterbed. The rain comes down in sheets. I'm falling in between the drops. I don't shun it. I want to become it. Rain is what silence looks like. I said rain is what silence looks like. So curl up next to me. Let me soulfully seduce you with saturated soliloquies. It gets darker, damper, colder. Lightning flashes, highlighting my mistakes. Don't go chasing waterfalls. Please stick to the rivers and the levees break. It's hard to take. I've seen too many bodies fall while it's storming. No warning. Hoping I, hoping I make it till morning. I, I wish, I wish it would rain. Only want to see you, only, only want to see, I know, I know, I know times are changing, but the rain today is the same rain from yesterday. I said the rain today is the same rain from yesterday. Pain, it never goes away, I'm sorry. 
I mean, the rain, it, it never goes away. Rather count raindrops than waiting for the pain to stop. Didn't ask to be here. I was born crying for this is life under the clouds. Only rain shroud is allowed. It keeps pouring down. The raindrops keep falling on my head. I said the raindrops keep falling on my head. I said the, the raindrops keep falling on my head. Clouds, they follow me. The air is crispy, swaying, but a drop won't miss me. So I crawl through sewage lines, life lays, only to find my Shawshank redemption. I said I crawled through sewage lines, life lays, only to find my Shawshank redemption. Standing in the rain, love's like falling rain, I, I can't stand in it. Conflictions, contradictions, storms, scattered showers, thunder sounds like broken dreams. I said, thunder sounds like broken dreams. Emotions get flooded, pray you know a way out. It keeps flooding, then know a way out. Listen, listen. I said, if it keeps flooding, no way out. Keeps flooding, pray you know a way out. Keeps flooding, Noah's way out. I remain eyes closed, facing the sky. This, this, this is what it sounds like when angels cry. I was written in pain. Phenomenal. So what's it like sitting there listening to a recording of yourself? That's creepy. I hate it. It's what? It's creepy. <laughs> it's not creepy. <laughs> it is. No. So I'm going to play another one. We're going to play. We're going to go ahead and play another one. Um, so you get to tell me which one, and you get to tell us something about it, and and what drove you to write it. We've got sensation, Shibi, one of them that you sent me. Um, the uh, what other ones? My favorite poems in there. Those are the new ones you sent in. And what do you have? I've got love sick. Um, I have the pen goes like. Final Warning, and Never Endings are the ones I have. Okay, uh, Never Endings is cool. Yeah? All right. Yeah. So is there anything you want to share about this one? Um, You know, that, no. Okay, <laughs> um, fine. I just, no, wait, no, wait, wait. <laughs> I do, you know, <laughs> um, this is one of the early tracks that I recorded because um, someone kept... Um, nudging me and bugging me about recording tracks. That's what I remember most about this track, that someone kept, like, calling me and inboxing me and bugging me about um, them producing a track for me and that I should release a track. And I was like, no. And they was like, yeah. And I was like, hell no. And they were like, hell yeah. And then the track got made against my will with my arm behind my back. Hmm. I think I would like that person. <laughs> I bet you would. <laughs> Sounds so, like something, uh, someone I would really like. <laughs> yeah, so um, that's what happened. So, yeah, this is uh, Never Endings. Nyla produced it, and I recorded it with one arm behind my back. <laughs> oh, here we go. 
never endings. I often sit and sort through thoughts pertaining to you, the cherries, the lemon slices, the memories that make music for me, the funk, the ballads, the duets, the blues, the river that contorted itself into white rapids only to end a waterfall. Over and over and over again, I continuously fell for you, hoping your heart could parachute me, forgetting our punctured holes in it, how ungrateful a descent into the inevitable, at the bottom, broken, bruised, clutching for life. I'm comforted to find you here, with me, acknowledging the lows are worth the highs. But the only means of reaching heaven is but to die. So we kill each other, using love as the alibi. Even within the sweetest fruits, there are pits. Which of them please the desire of delicious? Which belongs in the dirt, buried, only to sprout out and create branches in my memory, deeply rooted within me. How simultaneously being apart from me while part of me. Every new kiss forces me to reminisce So I kiss with open eyes to remain in the right now Unable to sustain here, I remember your smile It causes pain here, like the scar of burn leaves Hurting no more, still inflicting Still screaming of love's imperfection And the mark it leaves, like a print of the kiss Never wiped away, just the love Swept away, kept away with yesterday. That was written in pain. You make every syllable palpable. <laughs> that was, that was painful to sit through. Oh, oh, you're nuts. <laughs> Okay. That was okay. Why was that painful? It was awesome. No, it was just. It was like you know. I don't even sound like that anymore. Like that's when I was really like. I thought I was like the Vincent Price of poetry, like the pain and <laughs> decimation you will find. <laughs> All right. So so. You know, love six my favorite. That's the first one. That's your first spoken word track. Right. 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 That was before you got physical, before you started to rough me up. Love Sick, I did willingly because I didn't think anyone was going to hear it but you and I. And then you played it on Speakeasy Cafe, and I was all freaked out. I remember. You told me I could. Yeah, no, I Maybe did. Maybe I just jumped that. No, I don't, you know, I, yeah, it I, don't, no, I don't think. I don't think I did. I think you just was like, yeah, I'm playing it. But, yeah, um, yeah. I'm going to play that one because the emotion in that one is just it's it's like fingernails when I listen to this one. It's 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 just scary. Um and so well especially since we're getting into the part where you're gonna be starting your workshop and stuff and talking about the emotion in a piece. I think I'd really okay. like to start out that workshop segment with this one if that's okay with you. That's fine with me. Okay. Love sick. Love 
sick. Flee from me, oh love. Depart from the reach of high. Gather with you your empty vows and false promises. Declarations of immortality. Move from me, oh love. Why the mere mention of your wicked existence only aids in the decomposition of what you have left of my depleted body. Love, I want no parts of you. You, you are the cloak the soul is used to attack the soulful. Love, do not even acknowledge your existence. Curses to your falsehood, your salted kisses and bitter lies. Oh, love, leaving me in a worse state than when I was found for now. I crave you. Yes, love, craving you without reason. You have robbed me of my very sanity. Love, you have rendered me unable to love myself. Since this be so, let me be filled with damnation or nothing at all. Let me be voided of even my own existence, for I am grown sick of love from hair to skin to the very marrow of my bones. Pain has me pent up. I can feel the walls closing in. Try not to ball up while looking for a pressure pin. Deep, dark, beyond measuring. Digging, trying to find what it is that I am treasuring. Love dealt me a hand. I could not hold it. I folded. I once had a heart of gold and someone stole it. Then they stole it. It equates to scattered screams and shattered dreams. Dreams that don't vision clearly screams. When no one hears me muted while mutated. Degraded, degraded, decimated while painfully educated. I am emotionally eradicated. The road to nowhere is endless. Booted by lost premise. See, my life's motivation was hijacked, kidnapped by a hater and a lover's mask. Trick me, treat me, beat me. Like a hyena when you eat me. Laughing at me while gnashing at me. 
leverage. It aids deception. I must be a bullseye. They keep aiming disregard in my direction. My life is death row. Where's my injection? Since the arms of despair is my only affection, I evade love without detection. I've grown sick from love's infection. Unshielded, no deflection. Pain. It's got me pent up while the walls are closing in. I'm trying not to ball up while looking for pressure pins. Love. Sweet love, move from high, for I love you not. That was written in pain. You know, Carlos, after I heard that track, I went out and sold all my stock in Hallmark. You what? I went out and sold all my stock in Hallmark. Because I just knew that you were going to go out and like just kill love, and and it would just be gone, and I'd lose everything. So, yeah. Thanks. Thanks, my love. You're welcome. That's how believable that was. I like the whole. My favorite part, I think, is where it's talking about the hyenas laughing and the teeth gnashing, and it's like, er, yeah. It's a pretty wicked piece. Thanks. You're welcome. Okay. So now I'm going to shut up, which I never do. So I'm going to have to, like, mute myself or something so I can just sit here and talk to myself. No, I'll be quiet and listen. Um, But I'm just going to kind of turn it over to you and let you share some ideas on doing spoken word. And um, then a little bit later on we will go ahead and take callers and bring some callers on, and people can ask you questions. And uh, we'll go from there. How's that sound? All right. All right. So this is Written in Pain with the Spoken Word Workshop. And the mic is all yours. Um, Well, uh, I I think um, once uh, someone has made the decision that they want to start performing um, Spoken Word, I, I actually think that the online community is an excellent place to start, which is a benefit um, for people who are aware of it because it's a good place for you to kind of get an understanding for what your range is and um, how you sound performing uh, poetry if you feel a little stage fright or some people are too shy to go off um, performing on stage. The first and probably most important thing Um, with performing spoken word poetry is kind of having an understanding of yourself. And when I say that, I I mean um, your voice range. A lot of times, I'm not going to say a lot of times, but oftentimes uh, I hear people sometimes perform pieces that don't come, I'm not not saying don't come across as genuine. The performance aspect isn't meshing well because their delivery doesn't cater to the content of the piece. I think uh, both important 
thing and the writing part of it is making sure that if this is a piece that you plan on performing, is based on something that you're passionate about because that always helps in the believability uh, aspect of the performance, whether it's um, on a topic that you're passionate about or some emotion or if you're telling a story. I think it's important for you to to have a, a connection to the piece because it comes across more palpable when you perform it. Also, kind of having a cadence with the piece. I would never recommend performing a piece uh, soon after you wrote it for the first time if if you're intending on performing a piece. I think having some kind of familiarity with the piece is important, even if you haven't memorized it. Even uh, even reading it a few times over or having kind of like that kind of muscle memory where you kind of have it memorized when you're reading it, almost like when you know the words of a song, but only when it's when it's playing, like if you cut the record off, you don't know the words anymore. It's kind of like one of those things. Where if you keep reading it, even if you don't have the entire piece by heart, there will be a familiarity you have with it, and that'll uh, kind of keep you from those spots where maybe you feel like you're reading too fast or too slow or you're losing the cadence um, of the piece. I think a lot of a lot of times if people stay genuine to what they were writing in terms of how they're feeling about what they're writing, it'll always come across sounding genuine when you perform it, and that's important when it comes to how people are receiving what it is that you're saying. Sometimes what happens is people will be reciting a poem and their delivery isn't kind of coinciding with what the piece is about. Like, uh, somebody's reading a piece of, like, uh, you know, someone's chasing you trying to kill you and you're like he picked up the knife he ran i ran through the living room he was behind me i was so afraid i ran it's like that's not the same it's not going to relay the same way you're not going to get the same reaction from people if you're reading it like in real time like i ran through the living room he picked up the knife oh gosh i didn't know it's uh, that kind of that kind of dedication to the emotional aspect of the piece is what is what sells it and what makes people, will make you stand out when it comes to being a a performer. And this is in the event of, you know, if you're in a slam, especially if you're in any kind of contest or competition or just if, if you're trying to hone in on your skill level in terms of performing your poem, then it's very important that you stay attuned to when you should feel the momentum of the piece and how you should project your words and how there are different ways to kind of flirt around with saying the same thing. Because, you know, you could say, uh, by God, I I love you. Or you could sound like you're dying and say, by God, I love you. Or, you know, uh, I don't know, like, uh, like William Wallace Braveheart, by God, I love you. It's just, each one of those kind of carries a different a different vibration for the listener a, a lot of times if you don't um if you don't keep a certain dedication to your performance even while you're sharing a piece like if you start the piece off 
with a very strong dedication to the emotion and then later on taper off, the listener will tend to taper off with you. Or if you're reading it like you're bored, if you're reading a piece or reciting a piece like you're bored, then the listener is going to be bored too. And if you're not aware of how you sound reciting the piece, then I recommend that you record yourself reciting it and then listen for yourself and put yourself kind of outside of yourself. And like, you know, is this, is this engaging? Because if the, if you want to be heard, then you want to be able to ca- capture people from the first stanza to the end of your poem. And to be able to, to do that, you have to consistently uh, dedicate yourself to uh, whatever it is that whatever it is that that emotion is that you're trying to relay over to the to the to the listeners. Uh, some kind of some common some mistakes that people make, in my opinion, are letting people know when you've made a mistake. That is the kind of a peeve of mine when it comes to performing, because nine times out of ten, unless you're like a famous poet or you have a famous poem that you're reciting, people don't know that you messed up. And even if you have messed up, people won't really notice if you change it up. But people do things like uh, they'll stop in the middle of a poem and they'll say, oh, my God, oh, I'm, oh, I messed up. Or they'll stop and start the whole poem over. And that's not really helpful to me. I kind of look at reciting poetry as enchanting people, like in a spell, like when you watch those uh, those old Disney cartoons and the witch could take like a an abandoned room and make it look like a, a palace, but it's enchanted. Like in a few hours when she leaves, it'll all fade away and turn back to the abandoned room. And that's what's happening when you perform a piece. Even if you're performing it over the phone, you kind of, with your words, you kind of set a whole environment, like you're taking people on this journey with you through this piece, whatever it is that you want them to see or feel or think or whatever it is, you're kind of giving them a tour into this this part of you. And once you have them involved, once you have them set sail, once you have them enchanted in what you're saying, the worst thing you could do is scratch the record by going, oh, I messed up, let me start over. Because the likelihood is now, it's almost like uh, after the first time you've ridden a roller coaster. Like you ever get on a roller coaster for the first time and that, you have this anticipation level and when you're going through the ups and downs, you're afraid. And then if you go right back on that roller coaster, it doesn't, it's not exactly the same because now you kind of have a precognition of what's happening or what's going to happen already. So when you stop the poem and start over, it's kind of like they're not going to be as involved as you had them the first time. So my recommendation would be to never stop your poem and start it over and never make an announcement that you made a mistake during your poem. There's always ways to navigate. You could use dramatic pauses or maybe substitute a line in that gap until you find where you are again or there's a lot of different tricks that you could use to get out of those situations other than hit the reset button because it's not going to come across the same. When it comes to uh, stage performing, well, let me get back to the kind of the, uh, the oral aspect of it. The, 
when you're reciting a poem, the best way for me to express to you of how to make that poem lucid or make it vivid to people is to kind of try to capture the place you were, either emotionally or psychologically, when you wrote it. If there's a way that you could project that feeling through your voice, it commands people's interest. And a lot of times, projection and delivery can supersede the writing. A lot of times, somebody can recite a poem or perform a poem that is not necessarily, you know, the writing is so spectacular where they're doing or they're using all of these metaphors. Or it's just that the way that they're telling you the story is what's captivating you. A lot of times you can sell a subpar poem with an excellent delivery. So it's important that you have an under, that's what I, I kind of got off point when I came to the, uh, the your vocal range. It's important to know your range, just like singers, all singers can't sing the same kind of songs. I think as a spoken word artist, you need to know like if you're, what kind of poems go best in terms of the poem that you're going to perform? What kind of poems go best with the kind of voice you have? Because that's all part of the, that's all part of the enchantment that you're selling. Like if you have, some people don't have the voice to sell certain poems. Like a lot of times, like I have poems that I write from a female's perspective. And once upon a time, I would try to perform them in a woman's voice, but that kind of got, it just got difficult to do. So that's like a lot of poems that I have that I wish I could get like someone else to read because they're much more, you know, uh, the per the perception is different because writing from a woman's point of view allows a male writer to be more vulnerable than he would kind of be able to be writing from his point of view. But the voice is hard to sell. That vulnerability is hard to sell depending on what kind of voice you have. So it's almost the same thing. Like if you are a woman with this strong cadence, but you want to write this piece where it, you're being vulnerable, I think it sells better, especially with people knowing you have this strong cadence. It, it sells better if your vulnerability comes through in the piece and people can hear that you're actually at a vulnerable space or you're reciting this poem, not like, he broke my heart and I don't know how I'm going to make it through another day. Like, that doesn't sell the same as, this, he broke my heart and I, I don't know how I'll wake up and see another. This is a different, you, it's, you, it's a different vibration. It's a different enchantment. So that's important when in terms of performance. Uh, you know, if you're reciting on the phone or online or just practicing and you want to record your own, uh, poems to kind of get an understanding of how you sound or what kind of things you can and can't do with your voice tone and your pitches and things like that. I also should suggest emphasizing different points in the poem, like maybe read it one way, read it another way, and just try to play around. You'd be surprised how many things you can do with your voice that you never knew you could do because you never tried to do Um, When it comes to stage performance, you know, there's a lot of do's and don'ts to just stage performance period, in terms of always making sure you make some type of eye contact with the crowd because this makes them feel like you're actually talking to them, which in stage performance, I always recommend memorization of the poem because having something in front of you while you read creates a disconnect between you and the audience. 
Um, I'm not saying that they'll enjoy the poem any less, but you you can do a better job of using your body and using eye contact and using your body as a complete in- instrument to perform the poem if you have it committed to memory. Um, voice Voice projection and making sure that, again, whatever your relationship is with the poem, that that comes off in your language with the people. If if it's a poem dealing with more sensitive issues, your facial expressions might look different. If you're doing a poem about revolution and how the government sucks, then your facial expression and your eye contact, your gestures may be a little different um, in, in that regard. But uh, the most important... The most important thing to remember is to always, always, always make sure that the poems that you decide to perform were are written about things that you're passionate about or that you have an emotional connection to. Because other than that, now you're relying on your acting skills. And I know some people can act, <laughs> but most people probably think they're better actors than they are. And, you know, if you're not spoken word artists can be actors, but the most, to me, the most genuine performances come from when the poem comes from a real place. Because these are, at any rate, a poem are parts of us, parts of our thoughts, parts of our imagination, parts of our fantasies, parts of our pain. And these poems are like babies that we have. So uh, to me, a spoken word piece is like a, a rebellious adolescent. So it's like this is something that I've nurtured this long, and now I'm ready to share with you people, but it's going to be a little rambunctious and a little, you know, off the cuff a little bit. It's not as uh, it's not as pristine as something I may have written down or, uh, or recited to you from paper. So that's about it. I don't know. I don't want to ramble. I just want to emphasize on being emotional or being passionate about what it is that you're performing. That's the most important thing, I think, with any kind of performance, um, whether it's uh, over the phone or live or uh, whatever. I think it's very important that you rely on the pieces that you're most passionate about when it comes to stage performance. And um, everything else will just come, you know, with ex- with ex- with experience. Nyla, come back to me. I'm right here. I didn't leave you, little camper. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that that was pretty amazing. I I had no, no clue what to expect for you to bring. I know I expected you to sit there kind of giggle through the whole thing, but um, no, I'm just kidding, you know that. Um, yeah, that was phenomenal. Why don't you do me a favor? I want you to... Talk about how do you get your mindset? So and, and you write you you've written something, okay, and you feel the emotion and, and you get caught up and it, it's it's like in your head and you finally spit it out and you go and exhale and there's that release. Mm-hmm. How do you get back in that place to be able to perform it with that same emotion? It's almost like sometimes you can listen to a record. Like you can listen to a song come on the radio 
and you can remember the first time you heard it or what you were doing when it came out, or sometimes one song can rush all of these memories into your head. The same way with a poem. I think poems are these little time capsules because I can go through every notebook that I have, any poem I've ever written, and remember exactly. I can remember things about the, the, the day I wrote it, what I was going through when I wrote it, why I wrote it, how I was feeling when I wrote it. I can remember that. So in reciting it, I just allow myself to kind of just fall into that place and be there. No matter what the content of the poem is, I know that while reading it, I'm kind of teleporting myself into that moment when I wrote it, and I just allow that moment to kind of breathe as I'm reciting. And, you know, these poems come from us, so it's, it's really easy to do. A lot of times, because this happened to me, sometimes we write things and we go back to read it. We're scared of that person, like, wow, I wrote that? <laughs> I don't know if I want to go there again. You, you've heard my stalker poem, haven't you, Carlos? <laughs> I have. The night I wrote that, Andrew, who happens to be in the chat room tonight listening while he's working, um, we had a challenge out to each other to see who could write the creepiest stalker poem. And I swear to you, when I got done writing it that night, I was trying to call and find somebody to come stay with me because I was scared to be alone with myself. So I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, it's like skinny dipping. So, you know, I take the skin off and I put on the poem. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, you need to write that down. You need to put that on one of your little little hashtaggy things you've been doing on your page. Okay. So write that down. That was good. All right. That was really good. All right. So I'm going to play another piece of yours. Um, okay. Which one would you like? Um, I don't. Okay. What do you have? My favorite poem. I have sensation. My favorite poem. She be. Uh, my pen goes like, final warning. Well, I don't know. You pick, because I don't know. Um, I have to see one I haven't heard. I'm going to do, well, you know what I'm going to do. I'm going to do the sensation. No, well, I don't recommend you play sensation. Oh, so we're playing it. Here we go, guys. Taste my sensation. You like the paper, my pen craving. I need you in my 20. Take anything you want from me. I just want to suck on your bottom lip till we taste the same. What I'm trying to convey is I want to taste your DNA. I want to kiss the sole of your feet while our hips catch the beat on repeat. Am I, am I moving too fast? Can your eyes dance from a glance more than mate with you? I want to integrate with you, motivated in the music I can make with you. Can I inquire what's required to inspire your desire? Am I rushing you? Can you feel me without me touching you? How many poems can I create for you? How many words can I dedicate to you? If I put you on a pedestal and pedal you to the highest peak of my speech, would you hear me clearly? So the truth, proof of my words are transparent. Visualize my inside so you see there's nothing to hide. This friction is a fraction of my attraction. Breach the core of me. There's more of me. Just give in to me or give in to curiosity. Though it may get your cat killed, it may 
get your milk spilled. Am I being too blunt? Without words, can I extract exactly what I want? Maybe sign language or some divine language can induce an excuse for us to combine language. Perhaps design language that can help me find the words I misplace. Keep pace as I retrace my steps, stumbling where I fell for you. Notice my heart swell for you. Maybe you didn't. Perhaps it was hidden. But I promise you my love is a treasure and you should get to digging. Am I being too forward? Well, that's because I need you in my future. Can that be me and you in a canopy? No hand, but your body can handle me. Dressed in birthday suits, karma, sutra, ship, sutra. I want to upload you into my hard drive like a computer. Make it worth your while. Share my files. Am I asking for too much? Just asking to touch lips on lips till hips eclipse until bodies twist and insist until pleasure exists. Your eyes rolling, but I know you don't want to miss this. Just want to make a big splash for you. Then taste your sensations. Or am I moving too fast for you? Now I was in pain. You had me scared. I wasn't gonna. As soon as you told me I don't want to play that one, you knew I was gonna play that one, and you had me scared. That was that was so freaking tame compared to some of your some of your work. Do you remember the first poem, the first erotica poem that I ever heard you read? And I think it's the reason that I messaged you and you and I first started talking in the first place, because when you came on my show and read the first time, you read a very normal poem. And then right. I was wondering, and it's like, oh, there's that guy that read on my show. And you went on there, and you read this poem, and it was full of all these weird names. Was it names? What was it? What was the poem? Do you remember? I don't. All the different names. It was, I'll try, I don't want to say it on the air. Cause it's not, it was all the different names for like a body part or something. Right. I remember. I remember that. I remember exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> And oh I God. was laughing so hard. I could not, I mean, it was not the same person that read on my show. It was so freaking funny. I mean, it, it was awesome. And and so when you tell me you don't want to do that, it's like, that's what I get in my brain is that poem. It's like, okay, but, you know, I, I do what I want, so. Well, yeah, I hope that poem wasn't too, uh, anyway, no, that was awesome. No, no, that was beautiful. And, you know, and a perfect example of the motion, you know, the way you sped up, the way you slowed down, the way you taunted, the way you, yeah, it was, it, you are amazing, amazing when you deliver. So um, your poetry. Um, I have to clarify that for the girls that are listening, you know. I know, I know. So... So when you when you have a when you have a uh, spoken word event coming up, mm-hmm. how do you put how do you pick which pieces you're going to perform? How do you prepare? What do you do mentally? What are your little rituals? You know what what things do you pay attention to? If I have, you have an like lucky socks, right? <laughs> if I ha- I always I always have a bandana handy, but if I have the um. If I have knowledge of the venue or what kind of venue is there, because the audience is always key 
to what kind of pieces that you're going to um, perform. Uh, you know, certain poems are not for certain age ranges. Certain references you make in poems may be missed by certain different age demographics. Um, so you keep things like that in mind. Uh, there are certain poems that I wouldn't recommend doing for the, in front of an elderly crowd. There are certain poems I wouldn't do. Uh, one time we got <laughs> one time we got booked at a church, and um, you know, at the you know the guy was like, you know, he gave us free range to do any kind of poems we wanted to, and then I got a look at the audience, and it was like priests there and none. So I had to change like particular words in some poems. So Did you say nuns? Uh, yeah, no, literally, it, actual nun. Yeah, nun. What's with you and nuns? You know, I went to Catholic school when I was young, so uh, me and nuns right. have I a very that. long. Yeah, we have a very long history. That's why you thought I was a nun. I did think you were a nun. You did. You thought I was only, a seventy-year-old nun. No, only when I heard your voice. Once I saw your pictures, I knew definitely you were not a nun. I've never seen a nun in a tree. But anyway, <laughs> you've never seen the flying nun crash, then, have you? <laughs> no. <laughs> um. So yeah, that's important. It's very important to kind of have a. a have a preconceived understanding of what kind of audience you're in front of. Even in, in a slam, like uh, I've been in situations where the judges were all women. So in my head, I'm already eliminating certain poems and certain things that I'm not going to do because I'm just feeling like not going to work in this situation. So I, that's how that's pretty much the process I use for what poems I'm going to do. And I prepare usually by either reading a poem over and over again or listening to it over again and then making sure I pretty much have a good feel for it. I never um, try to remember the poem exactly how it is written because it gives me space to kind of do things on the fly. And, you know, if I'm, you know, throwing something somebody's wearing in the audience or make a reaction to something that happens in real time. So I kind of just make sure I have a pretty strong outline of whatever the piece is. I don't want to be dedicated to the piece because that's another way people kind of mess up. You know, you got to be able to bend because if you can't bend, you'll break. This is true. So how long have you been performing Written in Pain? I have been performing spoken word poetry now for about four years. Um, I don't. Didn't you tell I've, me that you used to like stand in front of the Christmas tree and read or something when you were little? Yeah, yeah. Like I've been doing. Like I've been performing since I was a kid. But uh, I started doing spoken word probably four years ago. But I used to, you know, I used to, I used to rap. And I used to do a stand-up comedy and blah, blah, blah. So there's a lot of people out there who, and one of the things that, that I'm real passionate about and one of the reasons that the shows that I do were conceived was to help poets take their uh, their writing out of notebooks, out of dresser drawers, you know, out from inside their hidden walls and, and, and share it, give it a voice and start reading it. And, and reading it on the radio is a pretty non-threatening way to do that. Mm-hmm. But to take that step out in front of an audience is a pretty scary thing. Mm-hmm. So what was it like the first time you got up and performed live? Oh, wow. 
Um, the first time, the first time I performed live, I probably I was at a um, I was at a spoken word venue, and I kind of was like iffy on if I was going to perform or not. I was back and forth on if I was going to perform or not. And I was with um, I was with my friends who they had they had all uh, performed on stage before numerous times. So they were all like, you can do it, you can do it. And I was just like, I was literally like, and I, I don't really get stage fright, but this was out of my element. Like I had never like performed a poem in front of people. So I was, so I get up there and um, I do the poem and probably I would say about seven lines in, I heard somebody in the crowd go, mmm. And like I had been performing online at this point for about six or seven months. So, you know, when you perform online, you don't get real time reactions until after the poem is over. You know, you recite the poem, then after it's over, you know, the host or the hostess will say, Oh, it was a really good poem, the chat room liked it, whatever. But I had never gotten like a real time reaction, so I kinda of paused and I'm doing I'm reciting the poem and then somebody in the car goes, Mmm So I stopped, like <laughs> talking about what I said. <laughs> so as I <laughs> so as I kept reciting the poem, you know, people are snapping their fingers and they're like, oh, and I'm that connection, that kind of connection. It was like it's, it's an addictive thing. It mm-hmm. is. It is. It is. And it became. It was just. I just that connection. I was into it, and I was like, yeah, this is. Um, I think I'm gonna do this. So when I first, if the time frame's right, then when I first started, or the first time I heard you read and stuff, that, you were pretty new to reading at that point then. Yes. I have been writing poetry since I was a kid, but I would never read it out loud to people because I wrote, a, I pretty much, <laughs> I've always kind of uh, favored the same kind of writing. I've always wrote, I guess what you would call dark or gothic, whatever kind of poetry. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, that's not, you know, you're like, 14 and 15 like no one wants to hear that so I didn't um I wasn't I didn't share poetry with anybody everybody knew I I, I walked around with notebooks and wrote crap but I had never shared it and it was actually um it was actually um lyrical movements who kind of told me about the whole block talk network and I was calling a lot of shows that pretty much uh catered to erotic poetry at that time. So that's kind of how I got that stigma because the shows that she had uh, alerted me to, like that was pretty much the platform in terms of the hours that I was able to show. And then I kind of had, this is, and this is, this is the, this is the truth. I kind of had alluded to her one day, like, you know, I just want to, people started calling me an erotic poet. I didn't really like that much because, you know, like my name's written in pain. Like it's nothing erotic about, well, maybe it is, but, it wasn't really the um, it wasn't really the direction that I wanted to go. So she says, "Oh, I'm gonna give you Nyla's number." So I'm like, "Okay," and she gives me the number, and it's like Speakeasy Cafe, and I'm all like, "You know, I'm, this is like serious poetry," and I'm listening to you, and yeah, I thought you were like some, I thought you were like some nun, and like Michael was like. Like your like your deacon or something. Father Michael. I didn't know. <laughs> Jeez. And you know your voice was just so like, 
all right, so I was too afraid to call in. I listened to the whole show, and I was just like, these people, like, I was like, these people are serious poets. Like, this is not, this is not like the other thing. Like, these people are serious. Like, this is a very serious atmosphere. So I kind of chickened out. So then, um, you know, I was writing some stuff that I really wouldn't read at at, at other places I was uh, performing at. And I was like, you know what? Screw it. Like, it's not like they can see me. I'm just going to call Speakeasy Cafe, and I'm going to recite a poem. So I'm listening, and I don't know if you remember this, but some guy had some guy called in, and he had ticked, ticked you off. And I was like, like oh after God. you told him off, after you told him off, I just got super comfortable, like, I can read here. Like, she just told this guy she'd kick his ass. Like, I could totally read here. That when I told him I was going to rip his head off and shit down no, yeah. his pipe. That's yeah. what you said. You said you not my finest moment in radio. Don't but come on my show and miss how, my poets. <laughs> but it was that moment. But that was the moment that made me press one. Oh my, that's funny. So, I'm, I'm so glad I got mad yeah, that day. So, <laughs> yeah. So, so anyway, yeah. So that um, I had pretty much. I guess that's how I kind of worked up the courage to perform live because uh, you know I was going going to shows and. I honestly have to say that I was getting a more positive feedback than negative. And I was, you know, in the company of people who were uh, spoken word artists, like, legitimately. But they just kept edging me and edging me on and edging me on. So I did it, and I had that experience, and that was it. And I've never never been afraid to perform. I've never had the jitters about performing after that. I, I just feel like... Um, the things that I talk about and the kind of poetry that I like to do feel like I make a connection with people. So what would you, what advice would you give? Um, and I'm going to let you read a couple of pieces because I know you've got some stuff. Um, what advice would you give someone who is right on that, that edge now, I remember I remember you being there at that, you know, do I do this? Can I do this? Can I? And I remember how excited you were the first time you did. Oh, my God, it was amazing. You were so high. It, it was something else. But so what, someone's sitting right there wondering, you know, can I get up there? Can I not? Can I? What advice would you give someone who, who's right there but but hesitating? You have to believe this is your truth. And what I'm saying that is that there's a reason that you are motivated to write down your emotions in this form that we call poetry. And there was a reason that you got to that venue and that vibration in your chest was telling you to get up there and get on that mic and go with it. And you can't keep fighting it because you're fighting who you are. So just do it. A bird doesn't know it can fly till it jumps. <laughs> you know, I'm going to throw in there's a there's one tip because you know you're you're very comfortable and very natural in front of the mic you know and and you don't get the jitters I do I do still every single time the mic goes live every time I perform live every time you know and one of the things one of the tricks that works for me is to I always have whatever piece that I'm going to perform 
whatever one I know the best or I'm the most comfortable with, that's the one I start off with. Because when you get up there, you get real. It's really scary. You know, my hand shakes literally. Mm-hmm. You can you can see my hand shake and the paper shake. I am terrified. And, but once you get through that first piece, once you get through those initial initial jitters, then you're fine. You know, so that's always my tip to first time readers is always perform the piece you know best and you're the most comfortable with the first time because then when you get through it and you're fine you're not as scared anymore you get that reaction from the audience and you're just so much more at ease you know don't try your toughest piece first or a new piece first because you mess up on that first one and it's downhill from there so don't set yourself up for failure you know get up there with your with your most known one first is my advice absolutely Mm mm-hmm all right, so we do have some other tracks here we can play if you want to play one of those. Or you can read. Um, you know what? It's it's up to you, really. I, I, I could read if you would like me to. Oh, I love a subservient man. Okay, so, yeah, I would love for you to read a piece. I'm just teasing. All right. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you. All right. Uh, I have this piece called The Ballad for Fallen Angels. I'm going to share that with you guys. My birthplace is paradise. My founding father is father of all, and I loved him. Continuously I stayed at his side, forever serving him, created as one of them, surpassing honor or respect. I loved him. Living outside the boundaries of life, this was everlasting to everlasting. I was with him as he fastened the moon to its resting place, as as he adorned the abyss with lights never extinguished. He labeled me the bright and morning star I. So, loved him. He filled my cup till it runneth over. He anointed my name amongst the children of men, rising my name above the firmament, scripting it into the book of holy ones. I abode in the glory of his wings as a son, marrying me to wisdom, elevating me above the seventh heavens. Diligent I was in my lessons, my, my daily blessings, hallowed, hallowed be thy name. I was there when he commanded the light, so it was, and it was good, and I, I loved him. When he split the sky in half, creating the seas, the mountain peaks, and the creepy thing that creepeth, I was there, not as one of them, but at his side, sitting on the right side of him, as I will forever, meaning eternity. He shaped in the dirt in the form of man, blowing breath into him, mankind, a kind of man. He seemed curious and unaware of the greater glory, so he went down and spoke to him, and I so honored him because I loved him so. He seemed fascinated with this creation. He ordered him to name the created and crowned him king of this garden of wonders, 
My puzzlement did not handle my love, yet he would not answer my questions. I could not find reason in this creation of this altered man, mankind, this this kind of man who, who often toyed with himself in the midst of his own loneliness. So then a mate was created for him, a mate. I, who have loved no one but him, never given a mate, yet this thing is given unto woman, and to make him, pleasure him, pleasure him in ways we have never tasted. Surely this will lead to corruption. Surely flesh is frail. He he ignored me, telling me, me, that he had granted them free will. Free will? Why, my father, I begged him to tell me because, because I loved him so. His answer was his workings are mysterious. This answer was a mockery. Look at them, eating, touching, enjoying the pleasures of so-called life, as I have done nothing but serve, worship, serve, obey. This kind of man serves woman, and I despise him. Then the voice of many waters spoke, calling a council of his anointed ones. God, my children, I love them so. You will carry their prayers up to me, and they will be blessed. My countenance fell as I bowed to him because I loved him. Father, what order of madness is this? These beings are flawed. They do not rejoice in your greatness. Humble yourself. His only reply, lost now I am. Am I supposed to serve the created, bow to the will of flesh and bone? I, the brighter morning star, let him serve man. Secretly I called upon the anointed for my own counsel, and I spoke unto them. You will not serve a creature created for self-destruction, a creature that knows not love nor honor nor respect, a creature that knows not the faith or honor in his heart, yet given the free will to enjoy the creations of my Father without honor or praise. For the time has come now to overthrow him, yet this would be for naught. The archangel would learn of this, slaying them all, and as for me, I was banished from my home, put away from the paradise that was my birthright, the holy name Lucifer stripped from me, and I was to be called Satan, the devil. Banished I was to earth, forced to live with this kind of man and his woman. My vengeance will never rest. I will forever show him they are weak, unloving, destructive in nature, unworthy of paradise. First, I will seduce the woman and cause her to eat of the tree, and then he will soon fall after since his love for them is so great, I shall extract my vengeance against them forever, because I love him. That was in pain. I remember the first time that you read that to me. That that absolutely blew my mind. <laughs> but you notice how when you read the different parts, you had a different voice when you were... It just, I mean, that's a perfect example of of how you perform, how you breathe life into your words. 
You know, there, there's such a difference between just reading something and giving them life, making them come alive, making them dance. And you're, like, just such an expert at doing that. Thank you, Nala. You're welcome. And I just like saying told you so again. I don't even know why I'm saying it this time, but I'm just saying it anyway. So now we get to have some fun because we have lots of callers online wanting to talk to you. Okay. And I mean lots. Okay. Okay. So um, and then we're going to. We're going to play a couple more of your tracks in a little bit, but, yeah, let's get a couple of these callers on. We're going to bring on, I believe this is uh, someone very special to you, by the way. Um, so, area code 216. Well, 216, you know I had to be here to hear my son, the voice, <laughs> the voice that I recognized to be um, my son. And I remember writing a poem about that. I think that was one of the poems that he read that made me recognize him as someone that was sent here uh, from that place that he was talking about, um, a special person, and I've always held him as a special person in my heart, and he knows that, and I just want to tell you thank you for letting me know that I need to learn how to memorize my poems, (laughs) 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 because I really don't know how to recreate the feeling with words. Once I write it down, it's like you have to go by what I write, not by what I read, because I wish I had that gift. It's a gift. It definitely is a gift, and I'm going to try real hard. The next time you hear me uh, read something, I'm going to try real hard to be, like, doing stuff with my voice and stuff. Like, you know, like if I do it, I usually do it when... I'm doing somebody else's stuff. <laughs> like I can't fake the funk. <laughs> no I can't fake the funk. I just gotta read it. You gotta go by what I said, and that's it. <laughs> it's like so. Another thing I find I have a hard time doing too, which I'm really gonna try this time. Uh, the next time you hear me read, is like um, put a little bit more effort into trying to remember. You know. Providing that I don't get Alzheimer's. Um, Nyla, this was a great idea. I'm so glad. I have really been helped by um, listening to what he was saying to try to do, the, the tips that he gave. And I don't want to hold up the light because there's probably a lot of people. I know it's probably something I forgot and I want to say. But you know um, you know how I feel and you know how proud I am. So that's all that really needs to be said. I love you, Mama. You know that. Mm-hmm. I do. And thank you, thank you, Nyla. So, out of out of the workshop, what do you think is the one thing that really stuck out to you? For me, it was you know, just uh, the part where he was trying to explain about how to get yourself back in tune to what you're presenting, to practice, to do something uh, out loud and record it, listen to yourself. And like I wrote in the chat room, the hardest part about Listening to yourself is hearing yourself. I mean, we can listen to mm-hmm. ourselves, but do we hear the flaws? Do we hear mm-hmm. the mistakes that we're making? Do we hear what we're not doing? And uh, it, it's it's also a trick to that. So I'm going to practice some of what he he suggested and try to um. Oh, and another thing too, I can do like other people's stuff. Like I was saying, like Paula Dunbar or somebody 
else I can perform the mess out of that because it's a performance. But what I'm doing my own stuff. Well, you know what, Mama? What I didn't say was I practiced a lot reading Edgar Allan Poe stuff. Like I would read The Raven Mm -hmm. and I would read some of his other stuff and I would like really try to perform it in that mindset of, you know, how they use that old language. Right. And I would try to, like, perform it in that way, and it, it kind of will transition over with certain pieces. Like, oh, not all the pieces that we write are performance pieces, but the ones that you know that are, you know, you kind of just find your niche and go in it from there. But I used to practice reading other people's stuff, too. Okay. Well, I'm better at that, <clears throat> but on my own stuff, I'm not. I don't. I don't think I'm a performance artist. I think I'm just a, a reciting poet. <laughs> so, But I'm going to try to do a performance piece. Now, if I did my Paul Lawrence Dunbar for you, definitely, which I've done it for you before, you know, um, it's a difference. It's a whole difference when I'm when I'm performing um, somebody like Paul Lawrence Dunbar. And it's a difference when I'm doing something lighthearted or humorous, too. I just can't seem to get the the voice for the uh, serious stuff that uh, I'm going to All right, to so Mama? Yeah. I'm I'm going to give you some homework and there's no time limit on it. All okay. right. I want you to write a poem in two different voices. Okay. A conversational poem between two different whatevers in mm-hmm. two different voices. All right. Okay. okay. And I want you to record it. So that each piece, each each voice has a completely different personality. I want you to bring that out. And when you do that, I, when when you write and you're performing, that's exactly what you're doing. Okay. Mm-hmm. If you were to get up and, and perform in a play, it would be very easy for you to fall into that role because you know the role you're supposed to be in, right? Yes. I'm I'm playing, you know, so and so in this play. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm Scarlett O'Hara, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um. So when you're reading your piece, remember what's that play, what's playing out in that piece. Remember what it's about. Okay. And, okay. and, it's, and if you look at it as a role, you know, this, this was the emotion. Now I'm going to step in, I'm going to perform that. You know, if you kind of think of it like a script and you are performing, it kind of takes on a different role in your brain than I'm reading my poem. No. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to try yeah. to do that. That's what I think I'm going to try to do. So that, that's your homework. I want you to, okay. to play with now that. Now, what about the, po- the piece I did when I sent you the uh, the piece on the spoken word, that one I did um, um, when I first got married called the, um, the um, Black Lace? Did I perform that or did I just read that or what? What do you think on that? Was it different? I don't know. You had my brain so scrambled that, that you were talking about having sex that I just couldn't think. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay. Uh, Never mind. <laughs> no, I, I definitely think there was some performance in that one. Okay. All right. Then. Well, I'm going to try to do that again. And thank you both. Thank you, Mama. Thank you. Okay. So I'm going to go ahead and bring on another caller. Area code uh, 252. Two, What's going on, Nyla and CW? This is Michelle Forbes. Um, oh, how I've beautiful been girl. <laughs> Hi, Michelle. I have been listening because CW is what well, both of you are two of my favorite poets. Nyla, um, to be honest, I didn't think anybody wanted to hear not, any of my stuff. And so I remember, Nyla, 
um, hit me up on the spoken word wall and saying, can you come read on my show? And I was like, really? And I was nervous the whole day. So, I mean, it was like the biggest moment ever in my life, and it, it, and it created a whole um, a place where I could go listen to the archives and then I could hear myself. So even for people who can't record themselves, you can go back to all of these BTR shows mm-hmm. and listen to not not only everybody else, you can listen to the challenges and you can listen to your own strengths and your own weaknesses. And even now, I pick out stuff in my own work and I say, gosh, Michelle, that you could have did that so much better. You need to slow down. You need to run that faster. You need to just breathe here. And, and why why weren't you articulate enough? I, I couldn't understand. You know, I couldn't understand why you sound like a slave instead of like an educated woman. You know, why why is this like this? What what, what were you trying to call? So I do that to myself a lot. But this was beautiful. That um, particular piece, The Ballad of the Fallen Angel, um, <clears throat> C.W. and I are polar opposites spiritually. And so um, <laughs> spiritually we're polar opposites. But understand that that was a very complicated place to write from. And this time I was listening for the words, the language, because um, that is the sole source of spiritual warfare. That has a mm-hmm. lot to do with not just, you know, not just the beginning of why he got kicked out, but how he felt. So um, Lucifer to Satan, the transition and the, the whole, it was a complicated piece and a well-delivered piece, and I just needed to say mm-hmm. that, that I got it, because a lot of pastors, Um, make an effort to teach it, and a lot of people miss the memo of you didn't start this, but you're in it, whether whether you want to be or not. Right. So it's it's really on the depth of that. It was performed beautifully, and I I just called to say that I appreciate you, and I appreciate this show. Thank you, Nyla, for this workshop. You know, it's seriously we've been we've been wanting to put this together for so long, and I've been so excited. And you have no idea, Michelle, how happy I am to hear from you. I have missed you so much, and I didn't know that was the first time you read was on the show. That was the first time I've ever read any of my own work. Um, I've been in some original oratory things in school, and read some Maya Angelou and some Nikki Giovanni, and you know, and and read some contemporary and classic poetry before, but the first time anybody had ever heard any of my work that wasn't related to me or lived in my house or by default overheard me, you know, (laughs) using the banister as a microphone, you know, (laughs) that was the first time ever for me. And, um, And that was love in a dirty glass, and it was really... Um, you know, not, it's not my favorite piece, but it was the the first time I was allowed to just be free to say something that I didn't have the courage to say to another person's face. <laughs> and that was very real, what Written in Pain said. When you pick something that you are passionate about and you write about it, when you say it, you go to the same place where you were when you wrote it. I mean, then there should be, if you're in church and you're saying a church piece, then there should be hallelujahs coming out of your chest and water running down your eyes. And before you know it, you're in full worship and everybody else is going hallelujah and they dancing too because they had to go where you went mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in order to keep up with you. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's, um, I don't know. I mean, I don't like to write about things that are random anymore. I used to just, you know, let me write about that tree. It's beautiful. Let me write. But why is it beautiful to me? That's the part you write about. 
Why is it beautiful? Does it remind you of your mother, that tree, because it's strong and it's tall and its arms are broad enough to hold you through everything that ever hurt in your life and everything that will ever hurt you in the future? I mean, why is it beautiful? You just have to, like, that's what I think anyway. That's the way I write. And um, so when Written in Pain said that, to me it just was, you know, I know a lot of people are going to be strengthened by um, those pointers that the both of you gave out. And if they can, and if they need any challenges, they can always come here to the Speakeasy because this is a place where spoken word artists and performance poets are born here, here, and nurtured here on this show. I agree. I agree. You know, I, I have to say this, Michelle, seriously, you have no idea how good it is to hear from you. I have missed you in more ways than there are adjectives to describe. And, you know, I know that you get busy and stuff like that, but I would love to, uh, you know, when you have time, come back over and read because that's home for you, you know. Well, I'm going to do that challenge that you gave Mama O because that homework seemed fun. It was a piece in my head as I was going. So I think I'm going to do that challenge and when I finish and I come back and share it. You said there was no time limit, so that meant that I could, if I'm busy next Thursday, then just come back. Um, I already know Sunday I have church. If I have one service, then I'll be back. If it's two, I'll probably sleep. But um, Thursday or Sunday I can come back. That would be awesome. I would love it, sweetheart. Well, I appreciate you opening up the line. I know the line is long. CW, written in pain, Carlos. I appreciate you, and I Thank just pray you, that so. you continue to be blessed, that you continue to grow, and write in happiness occasionally. <clears throat> Thank you, Michelle. I appreciate you. you. know I love you. Good night, y'all. Good night. Good night, sweetheart. <laughs> and by the way, um, um, Michelle, ask him about his unicorn poem sometime. That's all I'm going to say. Michelle knows a lot about unicorns. Um, mm-hmm. You know, actually, truth. <laughs> um, yes. You know, can you hear me? I can. Oh, yeah. Michelle was one of those. She's one of those poets that kind of really motivated me to try doing different things um, with my voice. Uh, she, um, when Michelle performs, she enunciates very well, and mm-hmm. I kind of made that a peeve of mine. As I kind of went on, like I've been listening to her, and I was just, uh, she's very, she's very good at enunciating and really getting you kind of caught up. It's the way she says it's, uh, in her delivery, it's the way she uh, pronounces that I kind of, I kind of borrowed that in my, for my own repertoire. I try to make sure I enunciate, Nyla, because I tend to, you know, sometimes we tend to tape, taper off words sometimes. So I try to. Uh, I'm. I just. I borrow. I borrow. We all iron sharpens iron. That's all I'm saying. We all are here to try to improve each other as artists. Well, you know, one of the <laughs> on the speakeasy, the the thing that goes out with every single announcement is inspire and be inspired. And for me, kind of, you know, just getting sitting where I get to sit around and just listen to you guys and stuff and have fun. I I love it. I love hearing something like that. That you know she she did something that that you know you got and and because of that you've grown. You know and and imagine how that makes her feel to know that she, you know that she influenced you to grow as as a performer as a poet. 
you know, that, that her fingerprint's on you. Fingerprint's part of every time you open your mouth and speak and perform now. You know, it's an amazing thing to reach out and inspire. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and to be a part of that and to be able to touch each other that way is just incredible. So that that, that was so beautiful. Okay, I'm done now. <laughs> but it was. <laughs> All right. So shall I? Uh, I'm a big bring you fan. A I'm a big fan of, of Michelle. I think anybody who ever hears Michelle will turn into a fan of Michelle. I'm a really big fan of poetry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I am definitely. All right, so let's go ahead. And you guys, not all of you have your hands up, but I'm going to grab you anyway. And if you don't want to talk, just don't say anything. So 302, you are on the air. Hey, Nyla. Hey, sweetie. Wonderful. How are you, honey? I'm doing all right. I'm listening in, taking it all in. I'm a student just like everybody else, so I'm learning some things and I think you guys are doing a great job with uh, this platform. Is I think is is needed. Uh, should be repeated and replicated. Um, like you said, iron sharpens iron, and everybody can learn from everybody. And I I, I think the spirit of what this is about is is uh, what shouldn't be uh, understated. To be doing something else, and you're thinking about um, you know educating and embellishing and inspiring other artists. And that's beautiful. So I salute both of you uh, for for this project. And I've I've learned a lot about Edgar Allan Poe and that whole project. And um, Payne, I wanted to ask you, um, being a as she said the, the urban hunk, and just and, and I'm I'm not joking. I'm no, I'm serious. I'm serious. I'm not I'm not joking. Um, we've talked about this a little bit, but. Coming from the Bronx, New York City, the grit, the hip-hop culture, it, the root of it is poetry, but, you know, we have so much bravado in in that culture and in our, in our uh, communities. Mm-hmm. So how are you able to uh, reconcile that with your passion for classical poetry, which a lot of people probably didn't endorse that, you know, um, were you able to go front and center? Did you have to kind of mask it? How, how did that play out in terms of you, um, you know, having that passion? And was it embraced by other people in the community? Um, no, it wasn't actually. Um, you know, actually, I kind of had to keep it like a low key thing because um, where I was, where I grew up, hip hop music was big at the time. So you had guys like Rakim and you had guys like KRS-One, and this is what pretty much, these were the poets where I was from. These were the the poets. So, you know, when I was reading, you know, I'm reading like Hop the Frog and the the Black Cat and and the Raven, and I had, (laughs) I had no, um, I had no one to kind of share that experience with. And that was really the the beginning of me trying to write. That's really what happened. Like, I I really started writing poetry because I wanted to, I was trying to mimic Poe, kind of. And 
I didn't really have, in terms of my peers, I didn't have anybody to share that with. You know, everybody was kind of like reciting, you know, uh, microphone fiend and things of that nature. And I was like really like reading like Yates and I was like uh, Robert Frost and trying to understand. I would like read Robert Frost knowing that I didn't understand what I was reading, but that's what I liked about it. The fact that I was reading English, but at the end of this poem, I have no clue what this guy's talking about. So I have to, I'm going to keep reading it and dissecting it until I understand what does he mean? Why, what is it about this leaf? Why is he taught? What does he mean? <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's real right so that there. Was hang up. That was my hang-up. And, um, no, it was like a secret thing. It's like I pretty much kept that to myself because, you know, what? it's not one of those things that's going to make you popular. Yeah, I've sensed that and, and, and just coming up and growing. And, you know, we've talked to you. Your experience kind of reminded me of, uh, some of the things that I had to learn, you know, the catcher in the rye and, and mm-hmm. um, the, the, uh, Chaucer, the Canterbury Tales, and Beowulf, and just, and <laughs> I, I found it when I heard about it, because Nala told me about your interest in, you know, classical uh, poetry. Um, I find listening to you that that's, that's an intangible thing. That's like most of us, as you know, in our community are more urban poets. Right. So that's an intangible that I've, I've discovered about your, your, your brilliance is that you, you, you've added that ingredient into the, into the gumbo. A lot of people don't, don't have that. And then you've done it in a way that has made it so relatable to us. Like the piece you just recited with the Gothic energy and then with the comedic elements, you've just, created a, a a a new form of urban poetry if you will you've raised the bar and i think people need to take notice of that in in terms of um you know being able to appreciate that because it's brilliant thank and you, I, brother, I, I salute you and i thank you and if you want to get more of this uh, commentary you need to come next week on positive way radio and we'll really go on mr written in pain and nala alicia both of y'all be there. Now I don't think we forgot about you because you're uh, <laughs> pain. Pain, tell them, you tell them about it because she don't want to toot her own horn. So you need to do that. No, you know Nyla. Uh, you know Nyla's one of the uh, one of the most influential people um, in our network. Whether you know people talk about it a lot or she likes to admit it or not, but I mean, like you just heard Michelle Forbes come and say first time she ever recited was on Nyla Show, and to me that's a big deal because I consider Michelle Forbes like a, a great poet and so it just goes, it just, it's an attestment to why we need um, people like Nyla and places like Speakeasy Cafe for people to come and share their work because I mean imagine if a Michelle Forbes would have stayed hidden, like, it's like what if we'd have never, what if that moment would have never happened and what kind of you know, what we would have missed out on had that been the case. So I tell Nyla all the time, um, you know, how uh, influential she's been to me, and I know that she's been influential to a lot of people. A lot of those people are probably in the chat room or on the line. So everybody everybody loves Nyla. <laughs> Michelle would have been amazing no matter where she read, you know, well, this because <laughs> she just is. She just is amazing. 
Nyla, I hope your heart is smiling. That's kind of blushing. Yeah, that's good. And Payne, I wanted to say this. Uh, I don't blush, brother. No, nah, I know that, but she. she you do too. <laughs> <laughs> don't let him lie to you. Oh, I, I can make him not. blush right now. I, I, I'm with Robbie because there's a different side of, of written in pain when he speaks to you, Nala. You know, we we hear him on a lot of different shows, and he's always got the laugh going. And he, and he people don't know that he's he's very shy, and and and. He's very humble. People talk about your arrogance and stuff, but you have another side to you, you know, and, and we see it. But Nala brings out a, even an, another side of that Rubik's Cube known as written in paint that I've never seen before. So I, I've been taking notice, notes of this. So I know who to, I know who the go-to person is now, Payne. <laughs> All right, brother. Uh, you know, uh, is there anything else you wanted to say for the people? <laughs> I know all his secrets. <laughs> ah. and I really tune do. Tune in next week. Tune in yes, next week. Yes, I'll be there. I'll be there, yeah, man. I appreciate and, uh, I thank you for calling in, man. I appreciate you. Yeah, I appreciate both of y'all. This is awesome. So, Nala, uh, great job, and I'll see you next week, too. Thank you. And for those of you that don't know, this is uh, Scorpio Sessions, and he has one positive way radio. And, sweetheart, before you go, please uh, make sure that you give people your links and stuff so they can come over and check that stuff out. Sure. If you're on Facebook, they're on the event page. Put it in uh, in there. But uh, one positive way radio, you can find us on and Block Talk. Um, we have a Facebook page. You can go. Written in pain knows where to go. You know where to go. You can find us through either of, of these wonderful people. Um and we'll be happy to uh edify you just like you guys are doing tonight. So this is a good look for everybody and um again I salute both of you. Thank you, sweetheart. Thank you so much. You're awesome. Right, yeah. Oh you are too. And I'll talk to you later. I'm I'm still listening. All right, baby. Thank you. All right. Good night. Bye. This is all getting way too emotional for me. I thought we were just going to talk about performing, spoken word, and that's it. I don't know if we're going to get all mushy and stuff. All right. So we'll lighten this up for you a little bit. All right. All right. So you ready to put your badass pants on? My who what? Where? Your badass pants. Oh, yeah. I never take them off. Well, I have them on. Okay, so remember earlier I told you about somebody who said something about you in the chat room? Somebody, yes. Mm-hmm. Do you remember what he said? He said I was written in giggles. Yeah, yeah. So, Robbie. Robbie, are you with us? I see, now he's not going to say anything. Yeah, see, now you put him on the spot. Now, Robbie. See? So he's got to be muted or something because I can't even hear mic noise on him. So, Robbie, you just hang tight there, figure out what your audio issue is, and we're going to come back and get you in a moment. Our next caller is a Skype caller, so I don't know who this is, so welcome, Skype caller. Or maybe not. Hmm. Maybe there's an issue with Skype. Let's see if we can take the phone number. We have 832. 832, can you come on with us? 832? Hello, can you hear me out there? We can. Hi. Hey, how y'all doing? 
Wonderful. How are you? I'm great. Uh, Yeah, this is uh, Love Quest. How you doing? All right. How you doing, Ridden Thing? I'm good, brother. I uh, wanted to congratulate you on your feature. And uh, Miss Nyla, I want to thank you for the platform, both of you all, actually. Well, it's it's awesome, and I'm glad you're here, honey. Welcome. Yeah, yeah, I, I wouldn't miss it. I, I know uh, Payne has a wealth of information and, and tidbits as far as this poetry game goes, you know, and uh, I've, I've learned a lot, actually. Well, that's good, man. I'm, I'm glad to know that, that I could be yeah, some yeah, help. Yeah, yeah, I've been... You know, we we've been at this. Uh, I, I'll catch you here and there for like about four years now. I would imagine mm-hmm. go go mm-hmm. way back. Mm-hmm. And and mm-hmm. I've 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 grown in this game. I, I'm pretty sure right along with you. So you know, mm-hmm. yeah. And and a lot of the things you said, I I do definitely concur with. I'm just sitting here letting the boys have fun. <laughs> right, right. Well, well, I appreciate that, man. And you know, um, you know, that's why you know we all here to try to uh, kind of inspire each other to to do better, man. But um, oh no, you know, I'm if I could be of any help, and that's all I was hoping for. Like, if anything I say could even inspire somebody or help someone in any way, you know, that's I feel good about that. I feel yeah. good any time, you know, somebody finds me helpful anyway. But thank you. <laughs> you you got a badass pen, man. I and and I got mad respect for it, you know. Like I say, I've heard you so many times and you know, uh shared shows with you and you know, I I relish the opportunity every time. So, you know, big up to you. All thank all you, your work. Thank you. I, thank you. Let me let, let me see if I can pose a question. Uh, if if there was one thing you could do to maybe uh, get this poetry game to, as as you know the way we do it, to another level, what what would you do? I know getting out there and 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 you know just putting your putting your work in on the mic, you know does it. But if 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 there was one trick, you know um, uh, if you could wave a wand. To, to just get this thing in the, in the forefront, what would you do? I think the poetry community needs to start standing up for itself a little more and start carrying itself a little more self-respect. And I, the issue that I've just been pushing is that um, whether spoken word is looked upon as a form of entertainment it definitely packs venues and it definitely garnishes the attention of of people. It has a following. And um, poets are still in a position where they're kind of giving their art away for free. And it's not so much about money, but unfortunately that is what's kind of tailored with the respect factor. And I think if poetry is ever going to get the respect it deserves, then it needs to start acting like it needs to be respected. Because um, stand-up stand up comedy, to me, is spoken word. Mm. It's, it's, it's a very small difference 
to me between what a stand-up comedian does and what a spoken word artist does, and most stand-up comedians get paid. Most stand-up comedians don't come out of pocket to perform. Most stand-up comedians, if they're going somewhere to do comedy, um, you know, they're expecting to get paid. And Mm -hmm. I think until the poetry community starts to carry itself that way, then it's always going to get looked at as a hobby. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I I can respect that thought, definitely. Because, you know, really, uh, me speaking for myself personally, you know, like to say, you have to get in there in front of the mirror, grind it out. Because, you know, uh, unfortunately, I was born with that disease of the CRS since I was a child. Can't remember shit. So mm-hmm. I have to, you know, and like, you know, I got a few signature pieces now that, you know, I can just spit them off the cuff. But like I said, until I, as you were saying earlier, put that, put it on as a skin. You know, you 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 don't really get that feeling, you know, to to see it as 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 a valued performance. So that's that's what I'm trying to raise my level of the game at right now. Um, I have a a little trick for memorization that I could share with you because I have the world's worst memory. Um, <laughs> if you write, if you have an instrumental or even a song that you like or a song that you're familiar with, if you could write the poem, not so much in 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 coordination with the music, but write mm-hmm. it to the rhythm of the music and record it. You'll remember it faster. Okay. Um, I find that if you also write pieces that have uh, refrains, mm-hmm. like if you write a piece that has a refrain in it, those pieces for me are easier to remember because like you got favorite songs from artists that you listen to and you know all the words to their songs but bad as your memory is you have favorite songs that you know the words to so you know these are things that come from us it's actually not as hard to remember them as we think it's just that we're already telling ourselves oh i can't remember this so half of the battle is lost but there's little things um i noticed certain rhyme cadences make poems easier to remember, refrains and poems make them easier to remember. And if you could write the poem to a kind of beat, because what what, what happens sometimes for me is I could write a poem to the music and then strip the poem from the music when I go to recite it. I can still hear the music in my head, but the listener has no clue what song I wrote this poem to. You understand what I'm saying? Right, right. I understand that. Yeah, that could add value to uh actually memorizing some things. Yeah, mm-hmm. even though I don't, you know, but me originally when I taught myself to write, I uh I bought a big fat ass dictionary about 150,000 words and I would just go in and and put my finger on the first word and write from that word completion. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, I my my uh the way I write is 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 generally I think uh, way different from a lot of poets. So, but you know I I can use that if 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 need be. But yeah yeah, uh, I could see mm-hmm. that happening for me. But that's only you know that's if you're writing with the intention of memorizing. So if you're writing right. with the intention of memorizing, then there's little you know those those little tricks and things will help you I just, as you go along. I just have to grind it out, really, because the way I write is is really complex, and I like to toss things here and there and and change them up, you know. So it's it's you know I I like I say the the main thing for me is more of 
just getting in front of, like I say, an actual microphone and, and just doing it over and over and over. So, mm-hmm. yeah. But I, I really do appreciate the, that that method. I will add that. Yes, sir. Anytime, man. Yeah, and, and like I say, I, I appreciate the uh, platform and, and y'all doing a wonderful job, and, and, and thanks for letting me add my input. Very cool. Thank you so much, sweetheart, for calling in. Not a problem. Thank you, lady. All right, baby. We'll hear you reading on the show, okay? Yeah, I'm going to come and see you. Perfect. Thank you. All right, hon. Bye-bye. All righty. So we're going to go ahead and try to grab Mr. Robbie for you again. Okay. Robbie, are you there? Robbie, I see you in the chat room. Are you coming on with us or what? What's going on, dude? Can't hear you. All right, so we're going to mute him again. We'll just keep coming back to him. All right, and we're going to check with our Skype caller again. Skype caller, did you want to come on the air? Then let's go ahead and grab 410. See if 410 wants to come on and visit. 410, are you with us? So it looks like they're just listening. So I'm going to go ahead and play another track of yours. How about that? Okay. Okay. So, um, Shibi? Okay. Is there anything you want to Okay. <laughs> Is there anything you want to share on this one? Um, I wrote that uh, because I was fantasizing about... I guess what the perfect uh woman would be like. So that's Ooh, what that so was let's about. find out, girls. Let's find out what his perfect woman's like. <laughs> mm, get your notepads out. Here we go. She be she be my morning thought when I wake up. I wanna be her baker man. I try to get my cake up. She make me levitate, hope the up we never break, hope the up never break, hope we never break up. She give me chills in the morning, no makeup. She be sexy when she wake up, when she wake up, she sexy, she wake up sexy. I want to whisper in her ear, wake up sexy. I want to make her breakfast. I want to feed her. I want to feed her. I need her. I need her to feed me. So I feed her me. She be. I tell her I need space. I need space. I need her space. She be my star. She be my star. So I need her space. I need her star. So I need her space. So I need space. My starlight is her face. I wish on kissing her, even when I'm missing her, throwing my love at her heart, hoping I'm not missing her. I beg her, be my omega. I beg her, be my omega, meaning nothing after you. Tell me what I have to do. She be my problem, sexy times two plus beautiful times damn. She my problem. She be no problem for me, no division in me. I don't need 
sum, she be the total of everything to me. My spade partner, she my queen of hearts, and when she walk, they want to cut her, but she in my book, so when she walk, I want to run to Boston. She be my spades partner. Can we be two and a possible? She be my queen of heart. Make me a king. Make me an ace. When we get the club, I'll place diamonds in your hand. I said she be my spades partner. Can we be two and a possible? Make me a king. Make me an ace. When we get that club, I'll place diamonds in your hand. I promise I won't renege. But this ain't about the games we play. Boys will be boys. I want to be a man. She be Googleable. I love you forever and ever and ever dot com. I want to be a hermaphrodite. I want to be half man, half she. She be falling, falling, spellbound. So I type her love letters. L-O-V-E. She be. <laughs> Yeah, I was written in pain. I love to giggle on that one. Why'd you giggle? <laughs> I don't know. Because sometimes it's like that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sometimes uh, Sometimes I laugh at myself. I'm like, did I really say that? <laughs> All right, so I think um, we still have a couple more tracks, and so there, we still have some. We have Robbie, we have the Skype caller, we have uh, 401, which is our sweet, beautiful Miss Sweet Lady, who's just listening. You should still bring her on and say hi to her. And you know what, Sweet Lady, baby girl, can you hear us? The lady don't want to say hi either. I know. I have her unmuted. She's going to kill me, but I love her and I miss her. All right, I'll mute her again. I'm being bad. It's been so long since I've talked to her. All right, so we'll we'll try we'll try to talk her and just give her two minutes. She says, "Oh yes, okay." So when you're ready, baby girl, uh, just put your put your, press one and we'll know. Okay. So awesome. Yeah, we'll bring her on. So. Let's see. I want to, you know, there's one on here that I haven't heard in a long time. And so I want to play it okay. if that's okay. We've got about, we've got Which time. Which one is that? It is, oh my gosh, it's hiding from me. No, no, no. My pen goes like. So, okay, so this is the, that is the first piece that I ever read on your show. Is it really? Yes. Huh. I did not know that. Mhm. Which makes it kind of cool. Yeah. Huh. Let's go. Let's go for it. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Written in pain with my pen goes like Where my pen goes like like Mainframe crashes like seven foot wave splashes like dials on Black Monday. Black Monday. Vow to get it up one day. Pick roses, but they never 
blossom. Not dead, just playing possum. Lost my wings flying through Sodom. Was ever under rock bottom? Find me there, writing poems in a rocking chair, singing songs I know not the words to, like birds do. See, I smile when I deserve to, like. When I work up the nerve to, like when I dream of something beautiful, like fulfilled wishes and first kisses, like Carolyn on White Christmas, Christmas, Christmas. gorging on life like it tastes delicious, taste buds numb, today's dragon, so tomorrow never, never, come, come, never, come, never come. But when it do, color it blue, blue, like skies used to, like the music my souls used to, like the ink my pen spills, or the quill, quill. from the bird kill, kill, who was snatched from flights, just so I could write, like, like, like. Hey, I kind of like the end of that. No wonder I fell in love with you. <laughs> I kind of like that. Like I kind of like the end. The end of that is going to definitely be in a new poem. Anyway. I did not know that was the first one you read on the show. Yep. I just knew you, you kind of blew my mind. Yeah, and I read it like 30 minutes after I wrote it. Like I wrote it, and then I was like, this is the one, and I read it. <laughs> After I told someone off, that's so funny. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we have so we've done never ending, final warning. We, we did we do final warning? No. Why do you say it like that? I don't know. I'm just so tired of listening to myself. All right, so let's say final warning, because I think that's the last one that I haven't played. Do you have, did you bring something else that you wanted to uh, to share and and you wanted to I read tonight? To re- I could read. Okay, please. All right. Um, yeah. So what you wanted me to read instead of you playing final warning or? What, yeah, we'll close like, the show happened? with final warning. Okay. Um, so this is, uh, I didn't title this actually, so I'm just going to share it with you guys. Can you hear me? I can. Okay. We can hear it. The voice of inspiration, the pen is the vehicle in this translation. This relation is ancient. Smiles and metaphors become the core of this vibration. Can they really be rules fueled to condition the muse for a sacred art we need no permission to use? Who dare come between or intervene? Poet, paper, pen, a serene scene. We use words to ordain queens, crown kings. This is the elevation and elation spoken word brings. The physical subjection of a soulful connection. We recite to ignite light. Some rock them. We bless mics. Spots you never heard of. Venues you never been to. 
and the words they are into. It's the words they are into. It's the words we use them to describe the life we survive. It's this gift causes souls to lift, thoughts to shift, the purpose of this service. See, to some, it's merely words on the surface. It's the spirit of life living. It communicates what we create, life in prose and detail. We retell what we exhale. The universe shares this. We feel this, then reveal this. For the world, fearless. We are the organization of creation's conversation. We can hear it, but we are poets. And I was in the pain. Yes, it was. You um, how much fun do you have performing? Lots. Yeah, how has it yeah. changed you as a writer? Um, it gives me kind of a back door out of my own head. You know, because <laughs> um, if you don't use that line in a poem, I'm stealing it. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, if not for that, then I'd pretty much be like self self absorbed writing about just things that I'm feeling. But the performance aspect causes me to kind of open up myself to write about things that I know um, people can connect to. Because that's actually what my relationship to pain is about. It's more about being able to connect with people because. Um, there are very few venues. There are very few venues that we can all, without hesitation, all relate to. You know, everybody's been in love before. Everybody has had their heart broken. Everybody has had to deal with disappointment. Everybody's had to. Everybody's been excited. And these are all kind of. It's the emotional aspect of written words that I will use to connect to people because a matter of race or religious beliefs or. Uh, you know, financial differences. We've all we all experienced these things. So, pain just happens to be the news that I use. But um, you know, it's it's a it's a universal experience. We've all been hurt before, and we've all we've all had to deal with loss and being sub- subjected to things. And a lot of times, um, I get ridiculed, or people kind of make commentary about that for me but um, that's my canvas that's awesome so sweet lady did you want to come on yet Missy she's not saying I want to bring her on I don't want to try to grab her again if she's not ready to come on if you're ready to come on we've got about well we've got about a half hour left Um, so go ahead and press one when you're ready um, I don't see that Robbie is back yet, um, so I'm not going to go ahead and try to bring him on. So tell me, I'm going to have you read something again, um, but I want you to tell me about something that happened while you were doing, while you were at it. Tell me about, like, the worst thing, the worst experience you ever had because you know they always say you know our worst fears always come to life you know um tell me about something that created something crazy that happened 
in my life? No, while you were performing. Oh, something that's crazy that happened while I was performing. A woman threw her undergarments at me before. Oh, Jesus. Are we supposed to think that's something new? Oh, my goodness, you guys. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. No, I want, I want a press release. Somebody threw their panties at Written in the Pain. Oh, my God. I am shocked. <sighs> <laughs> really? That's supposed to be that's a, that happens every time moving you turn a, around. Moving right along. What? Um okay, uh one time a fight broke out while I was performing and um I didn't I didn't stop performing, like I performed around the fight, like <laughs> I got <laughs> I kind of use the fight as reason for me to kind of project my poem in a different manner. So it was very interesting. <laughs> that would be fun to see. So do you have any of your stuff uh, videotaped? Are you performing? All of my stuff, the majority of my stuff is on YouTube under compositiontv.tv. It's all one thing, composition spelled regularly, composition TV dot TV on YouTube. Or if you Google written in pain on YouTube, a whole bunch of my stuff will come up. Also, there is some pretty good, like, well-edited videos of me. If you go to the Poets Den on YouTube, the Poets Den Theater. However, they really botched up my name, so you won't find me unless you really know what I look like. But I'm there. <laughs> You're kind of hard to miss. Yeah, but if you've written and paying me on YouTube, and a lot of my crap comes up. Very cool. I got a surprise for you. Okay. One of our favorite girls is here. And who is this? If I can get her unmuted. Uh, Hello, baby. Hi, baby. Hi. Oh my goodness, still my favorite poets ever. <laughs> Did you think that there was any chance at all that I was going to know you were online and not talk you into getting I, unmuted? I would. There's no way. I have missed you I so much. I gotta stop you being shy. <laughs> I don't know. I've been shy lately. But anyway, it's not about me. It's just about it's about Mr. Written in Pain. Written in panties. Oh, no, not me. I'm not that guy. <laughs> Did you say written in panties? So I put it in chat. So were they pink? Yeah, were they pink? They were like... If they weren't pink, no. they didn't matter. <laughs> no, they weren't pink. They were... But they were... Uh, that's another story. Maybe I'll do a poem about it one day. Yeah, it can't be any... Uh, sorry, yeah. No, sh- no surprise. People love you. They just have strange ways of showing it. Well, <laughs> some, you know, that you is, have to admit, Carla, it. some of your poems are definitely panty droppers. They are. They just are. And you know that. And you know that you write that way well. And and you love, you love, you know, how can I say this? You love, you love the reactions you get from it. You do. I'm just sharing my craft like everyone else. 
<laughs> you're a lie. You're a Pisces and you love it. You can act like you don't, but you love it. You're a fish. It's just who we are. <laughs> and you know, both both of you, you're gonna have both of you will understand how funny this conversation is about throwing panties. You'll understand it later. It's not going to make much sense to you now, but keep that in your head because it's going to make a lot of sense to you why I think that is so freaking funny next week. Okay? Okay. 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 So just kind of dropping that. I did. I definitely am glad that I got a chance to say hi. It's been crazy at my house since I got home from work, and I had to sneak away into uh, peace and solace before I could uh, (laughs) say hello. But I'm, uh, lady, I'm, I'm glad that you uh, got a chance to call in and say hi. I will tell you one thing. I saw that you were having a spotlight in a workshop, and I rushed home as soon as I could get home from work so that I could get online because I, I couldn't miss it. Come on now. He's <laughs> amazing, isn't he? Of course. I have to listen to the first hour in archives, though, because I didn't come in until an hour in. You just missed Nyla picking on me a little bit, but come on! If, if we didn't pick on you, it would mean that we didn't like you, and we we love you. So that's all Thank I got to say about that. Thank you for coming. Thank you for saying stuff. <laughs> <laughs> all righty, I'm gonna let all somebody right, else lady, one. If you get a chance, come by the come by the speakeasy and spend some time and call in. Rate. I've really, really missed you bunches. And drop me a line and let me know what's going on with you. Okay. Love you. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye, honey. Okay, so now, Mr. Written in Pain. Yes. Oh, uh, Robbie. I heard that I had to mute up. A while because I was catching up with somebody and they, they happened to catch they happened to phone around the middle of the show there so uh, yeah uh, I was just in with, um, with what you were saying about uh, paper versus performance poetry uh, with mm-hmm. the performance yeah uh, it's just interesting to me that um, like uh, I was just thinking about different and how sometimes it, if you try it, it can maybe be both. But uh, I've just been thinking about a lot about that, about the difference between paper poetry and performance poetry. But uh, I think one of the main things is like when you're, ri- when you're writing a spoken word piece, a slant piece, you're writing for that flow so that people can hear that, you know, that, 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 that rhythm. Whereas uh, paper poetry, like uh, my stuff, a lot of my stuff is theatrical, and I mm-hmm. put it forward in a very emotional way and all that. But it doesn't have that. Uh, I'm not writing it for that that sort of slam or uh, or spoken word flow. So, yeah, I have just been I've been thinking a lot about that because someone had commented that that my I think it was Epiphany Castro. She said that my stuff reads well, both reads well and uh, is heard well. And I was just I was just thinking about how how somebody can accomplish that because yeah usually it's one or the other. Um, you know what? That's a talent that I don't think that everyone has. Um, there are some poems that read well and are performed well. Um, 
but everyone is not fortunate enough to be able to do that. Um, I'd also, I've had this conversation with poets before about a slam piece. I don't really understand the concept of what a slam piece is. I, I, I know that a lot of times there seems to be a certain cadence and a certain delivery associated with slam poetry in which poets uh, kind of all follow this kind of like format. I personally don't attempt to follow that format because I I can't. I just think uh, any piece that you can perform well and get your point across well and is entertaining is uh, nominated to be a slam piece for me. I've been in a few slams and I've never kind of fell victim to that cadence, to that writing style. But I think it's more of a decision that the that the writer has to make and knowing the difference between in your own stuff if this is a piece that can be performed well because some poems read well but to perform them would be a stretch and then it's quite the opposite with some poems you know they come across well on stage but if you read it it really is not much substance up to the writing those instances where your ability to write for you simultaneously be able to write a piece that is both written well and has the ability to be performed well, I just think that that's a rare gift that not everybody has. And that's just a distinction that you and the artist have to make about yourself. I think there's, you could almost have a third uh, category of poets, uh, like paper poets and, you know, like spoken word slant. But I know someone called Shadow Wolf uh, at Word Machine. Uh, it's like a dark poetry site. And I'm like, I kind of put myself in that category. Uh, but, and she's very much like she used to be in theater. Mm-hmm. And I would call her a theatrical poet. And I guess if I, had to, if I had to put myself in a category, I don't like to do that. But, uh, yeah, I would say that a third category could be a theatrical poet. Like someone who doesn't do like that internal rhyme and that the spoken word sort of a thing, but that still presents their poetry in a very distinct and and attention-catching way, so almost like a Shakespearean thing or a... Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, I could agree with that. Um, I still, I, in my personal opinion, I don't feel like, I don't really know what a slam poet is. I've had it described to me, and I understand the concept. I just feel like if you went to a slam and did a theatrical piece and it was well done and well performed, then, I mean, I don't know why. I'm not much into labels either. I just was just trying to make a distinction that people could understand between the the difference because I don't I, I don't know for sure that people even know the difference between reciting poetry and performing poetry because that was really the distinction I was trying to make. But I think that uh, I, me personally, I prefer theatrics over rhyme schemes or anything else because uh, a theatrical presentation of spoken word is what's most captivating to me. So. I kind of feel the same way. I don't like labels that much either, but sometimes it's for the sake of conversation. Like if someone right. Right. you are, you don't want to explain for half an hour what you do because it's, it's something a little different or whatever. But 
you uh, at the same time. Like if you if you decide to call yourself this or that, uh, this that's very much in my personality, and I think it's, it sounds like it's the same way. Like uh, if I'm gonna use, if I have to use a label, I'll use that one. But at the same time, I don't let myself uh, live in that label. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's my two cents, I guess. <laughs> Hello, Nyla. <laughs> So I'm just wondering how long you're going to sit there and pretend like you guys are having a normal conversation before he just, like, busts your chops for telling him he's written in giggles. That's what oh, I'm waiting for. I knew that. I knew. Nyla is the eternal instigator. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Nyla instigator, Nyla instigator Alicia. That's yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, not not a, I'm not an instigator. I'm just sitting here. Yeah. <laughs> but you take, you take great pains to point things out. <laughs> what did I do? I do. <laughs> uh, thank you for calling in, Robbie, man. I appreciate you. You bet. My pleasure. All righty, my dear. So, did you have fun tonight? I did. And more than that, you know, I, I really feel like, oh, I hope that um, I put some help to some people or some people, you know, was able to pick through the garbage and find some recyclable stuff. <laughs> uh, you're so awesome. So we have 18 minutes left, and I've got one track to play, and and uh, so things are kind of winding down, and and so I just, if, you know, is there anything left that you want to say or talk about or anything you have coming up that you're working on or you know, that you want to share any last tips, anything you can think about, anything inspiring um, or, you know, like guruish. The one thing um, that I didn't get to touch on is uh, constructive criticism and honesty in poetry. And I don't mean so much uh, in the poetry format because, uh, you know, that's a place where people probably just want to unwind and share their poetry with people and things of that nature. But, Either, even if someone asks you for their honest opinion about their work, my suggestion is to try to be honest as possible because um, no one improves by getting smoke blown in their face. And if someone genuinely wants to become better at the craft and they trust your opinion enough to ask you for it, then I feel like you should be honest and constructive, though. Like, don't just, uh, like, you know, you suck. But, you know, <laughs> try to be constructive because, this is how people get better, and you never know, you never, ever, ever know how something you're saying or something you wrote inspires or affects other people. There's, I can run a list of people in this network that has inspired me, and probably most of them don't even know it. Uh, they made me look at poetry in a different way or changed the way I wrote or affected how, you know, my cadence or things of that nature. So if someone asks you for their, their honest opinion about their work, you know, constructive criticism is always a good way to, sh- to help somebody and without them feeling like you're blowing smoke. Because I went through that uh, for a period where I didn't know who to trust or if people were being honest about what they were saying or anything like that. So it's oh, I, I just push honesty in your opinion about people's craft. Again, only if they ask you for it. Um, mm-hmm. Other than that, 
other than that, um, I all of my uh, all of my audio projects are on writtenandpain.weebly.com. I just released a uh, a poetry mixtape with uh, with the group that I'm in, uh, the composition, which also features John Fields' poetic black and lyrical movement. We have just today uh, finished up the second volume of that CD, which we're hoping to release sometime in November. Um, I have a book on Amazon called Conversations with Myself. So if you go to Amazon and put in Written in Pain, the book will come up. It's a it's two ninety nine for the key for the Kindle download, and I think around nine or ten bucks for the paperback version. And um, if you guys want to check out any of my videos, as I said before, they're on YouTube. If you Google Written in Pain, uh, probably most of my videos will come up, or you can go to compositiontv.tv and uh, some other videos and monologues and silly stuff that I do uh, turn up over there. And um, every Thursday at 11 p.m. on the East Coast, I'm with Lyrical Movements, Hope to Bring It Through Paper, where we pretty much just uh, wait for the, the opportunity for people to want to act silly with us and share their poetry at the same time. And um, <laughs> that's about it. Uh I'm 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 currently working on a fictional novel that I've kind of got stagnated on because some crappy crap happened to my computer, but it's called uh, Concrete Butterflies, and I'm looking for that book to be published towards the beginning of next year. And I have some other stuff that I'm working on that I'll fill you in on as I'm going about it. But um, I just, you know, I was happy to be able to do this, and I love, I absolutely love, love words and expression and things that people do with words and I love the whole I love it all so um, I'm just happy to be an influence or any kind of help or any kind of help <laughs> to people who are who are passionate about the same thing I am and I'm thankful to you Nyla for uh, continuously being a, a motivation for me and uh, for setting this all up so that I could talk to people and talk to you, and we could all be, you know, a bunch of happy uh, butterflies. I mean, moths. <laughs> oh, oh, that was so not nice. You know, you're my Rocky. You know, you are. And uh, you know, you you said something that that's pretty amazing because it's it's hard. You know, I know this was hard for you. You know, we talked about it for a while, and and you know, and you're saying, you know, I hope somebody can, you know find something out of something and I said and it, it's kind of hard to say that you know like I hope I inspired somebody it's like who am I to inspire anybody um, I know that there's a struggle to spit those words out especially because you are very shy but you did such an amazing amazing job tonight and you really shared from the heart and you shared a lot of information that that's really you know it's relatable and that's one of the things that that you know that I've known about you from the very start you know even when you were hiding behind the whole pandy tosser thing um, you're a very genuine person. You know, you have such an amazing, amazing, genuine heart. And you are very passionate about your craft, you know. And, and when you're passionate about something, it's exciting to share that passion with people and to talk about something that you love so much and that means so much to you and share ideas and the inspiration and stuff. And that's why I'm just really, really glad that you... Um, Agreed to be here tonight. And I want to kind of put you on spot, kind of see it in your head. You ready? Okay. Okay. All right. So 
you love classical poetry. You know, that's a big mm-hmm. part of your your passion for writing is, is that classical poetry. Mm-hmm. I would like to see you pick a poetry form. And kind of play with it a little bit and maybe come back and do a workshop on a specific poetry form that's that's pretty um, relative to classic poetry. You get to pick whichever it is, whatever it is, whatever, just something oh, else. Oh, I'd love to do that. That would be awesome. Yeah, would yeah. That, that would be awesome. It, you know, and it was funny because, you know, something in Scorpio's session we're talking about earlier, you know, is how, you know, being in the whole urban life, blah, 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 all that crap, you know, how did, how did you know, your love for classic poetry, did you have to hide it? And you right. talked about that. And, you know, that really kind of makes me sad, and it's one of the things that I love about the environment that you guys have built at the Speakeasy is how it's all-encompassing. You know, and everybody's accepted for everything, and and you know nobody should ever have to hide anything. You know, um, oh, they're not going to think I'm cool if I like classic poetry. You know, it, the the fact that you are so diverse, you know, and you have so many facets is one of the things that makes you such an amazing person. And so, I would really love to see you be able to, in an open format, share that passion for that part of you. Because it is part of you, you know, just as much as everything else that you do. So I would love to be able to see you play in that for a while. So whatever, whatever you want to do, you decide. Whatever it is, you tell me, and three hours are yours. All right, definitely, definitely. And um, I just want to thank thank you again, Nyla. I appreciate you so much. I can't tell you enough. I love you, baby. Too. <laughs> All right, guys, you have been listening to Written in Pain, the powerhouse performer of spoken word. And uh, we really appreciate you being here tonight, sharing everything with us. We are going to close with a track of yours called Final Warning. Is there anything you want to share on this piece before we shut down? <laughs> yeah, so uh, there was some poets. I'm not going to mention any names, but there was some poets floating around the network. Uh, when I first started sharing pieces on shows and they were telling me that basically what I was writing wasn't poetry, that I was like, like it was like not poetry and what I was doing wasn't poetic at all. And like, just stop, don't even call myself a poet because what I'm doing is not poetry. So I was really ticked off at this fact that they were saying this about me. So I wrote this piece, and it's called Final Warning because it was really like my way of saying, stop effing around with me, okay? This is my damn craft, like it or not. <laughs> so that that was the inspiration for this piece, and it's called Final Warning. And um, it's on my first CD, I'm Written in Pain. And uh, I still love it. It's probably my most performed poem. It's, probably, it's the first poem I ever performed live. So, but I, it's always going to have that place in my heart because uh, when I wrote it, I damn meant it. <laughs> and what does it always say? Don't piss off a poet. You could be the next poem. That's right. So yeah. to, this, to those poets that were talking crap about me, you know that this is dedicated to you. And ha, now you see me now. Now people call me a damn poet now, don't they? Ha, ha. Show me. <laughs> 
You rock. All right, baby. Thank you so much for being here. This has been amazing. And you just let me know whenever you want to get that other show set up and it's yours. I will do. All right, hon. Love you, Nyla. Love you too, sweetheart. You guys, we're closing out the show. This is Written in Pain with Final Warning. And thank you all for being here and making this night so special. And we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Everything I'm close to This ensures purification This is a shot of adrenaline Wake up from your lyrical sedation Go at it like a flow addict Eyes are glazed like purple haze You toast soliloquies Now you smoking a higher grade You want the juice? Your poems are minute made Linguistically I'm a renegade Morris blood, you've been afraid Walk through pain, that's how men are made no matter how many spits my pen is made, my tongue is sharp as razor blades. I blow minds like hand grenades. Cut your books like hands of spades. Did I say cut notebooks like hands of spades? 
See, sometimes even I'm amazed how I can just take a page, shake your brain off the gauge. Go with me. I'm where mystery meets poetry. I only say it's written in pain, so you know it's me. That was written in pain. Napa know-how. A Napa guy knows more isn't always better. Unless we're talking about full-size vans. These beasts do more than get you from A to B. They have so much space a man can live in it. With shag carpeting, waterbed, and a sweet lava lamp, these mobile abodes have all the comforts of home. With quality parts and plenty of Napa know-how, you can keep the original tiny house running longer, stronger. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. 